Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, kids. Uh, welcome to another week of Just a Game here on the Nation Network. I am me. You are you. At least we can start there. Right, We know who we are and why we're here. Uh, broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory today, this is an inclusive program. Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody. Glad you are here. Uh, if you are looking for a show which involves people talking over each other and yelling at each other about football and the CFL, then you've streamed the right podcast today. Uh, good old uh, the, the friends of the program or a previous program will be joining us after they've relaunched uh their show in podcast form, uh, and it's it's taken off. It's it's what we like to call in the business flourishing. Uh, it surprises the hell out of me too, but here we are. Um, so we'll get them on in just a couple of minutes. Later on, Ryan Pike will join us. I actually have a bone to pick with Pike this week. I have a, a bone, an issue, an issue. And now, sometimes when I get out in front of myself and I get the issues going, uh, I can be proven wrong. So it's quite possible that Ryan Pike, once again, might put me back in my place. Well, that's, that's it, so be it. Um, where do we start this Monday? Well, we'll start with the uh, local hockey heroes junior version. No, the well, I guess the, the smaller version, the baby Flames, who are called the Wranglers. Uh, they're playing uh, this week against Abbotsford, the baby Canucks. Uh, so Wednesday, Friday, and this, this is how it works. As the top seed, it's a best of five. So as the top seed, you can choose to host the first two or host the final three. You get to choose that. So debate amongst yourselves what you would do in the place of the decision makers for the Calgary Flames and the Wranglers. Would you rather host the first two games or rather host the final three games? Don't think of it as a homework assignment, but Think of it as something to ponder. Uh, after, uh, we've gone now almost 48 to 72 hours without Dustin Wolf winning an award. Uh, something seems a little off to me, but I'm sure that'll be rectified by the end of the day. Uh, the National Hockey League playoffs continue. Um, damn it, LA, you had one job. One job. One job. You had one job. That's all. You had one job. Uh, and you did it for 20 minutes, rather remarkably. Uh, from there, uh, the Edmonton Oilers fought back from a 3-0 first period deficit. Ended up the third time in four games that this game, uh, this series has gone into overtime. This time, the Oilers prevail, tying the series at two games apiece. I am no shaman. I am, I am no, you know, black magic artist. I rarely consult the stars. I rather, rarely look at numbers and numerology. But I will go this far. Uh, I think if you're an Oilers fan, this is a really good sign 
honestly, I think this is a really good sign. First rounds are always the most difficult. Everybody tells you that. Uh, and I think what you're going to find is that uh, the Oilers with that win last night have something to build on. They're not, what game are they out of? What, what game are they? they maybe they're out with five minutes to go trailing 3 nothing in the third period. But they're not, they're not out of anything right now. So that's got to be a, a, a huge bonus for them. Um, matter of fact, the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild find themselves knotted up at two games apiece. Dallas winning on the road last night 3-2. Uh, elsewhere yesterday, both other series moving to 3-1. and one. Uh, Boston not leaving much error in Florida. Uh, they beat up on the Panthers by a 6-2 score. And Carolina, uh, you thought when the Islanders got that game three that maybe, you know, they'd they'd rat. Now, Carolina Hurricanes finally went on the road. They had uh, a bit of an ugly streak of losing road games uh, in the playoffs. So they finally went on the road. Uh, They're up three games to one. Tonight, the Rangers hosting New Jersey. Jersey winning in overtime. Former Flame Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton, you remember him, don't you? Yes, uh, older brother of Freddie, I believe, or younger, I can't remember. Anywho, uh, Devils winning in overtime, trailing that series two games to one, Madison Square Gardens, it goes tonight. Uh, Toronto with a two games to one lead on Tampa, uh, overtime winner by Morgan Riley from Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, that one, uh, I don't know if it's a bit of a shocker, but... After that terrible game one effort by the Maple Leafs, uh, they have certainly made Tampa look average. Uh, Vegas with the win in Winnipeg. Oh, if you were a Jets fan, I can only imagine the uh, consternation you went through. Uh, seeing your team rally on home ice, forcing double overtime, and then losing. Um, having said that, uh, you know, go back all the time to the 0-4 run in that game six here at the Dome against Vancouver, and uh, the Flames trailed 4-1 third period, rallied, and lost in triple overtime when Brendan Morrison scored. That's still considered the best loss in Calgary Flames history. And Colorado beginning to look a little bit more like the Stanley Cup champions against Seattle, leading that series by a two games to one mark. So, if uh, you're keeping track, tonight, Devils, Rangers, Toronto, Tampa, Van- uh, Winnipeg at home to Ve- Vegas, and Colorado is in Seattle. Later on, Ryan Pike will join us. Uh, we will talk about the baby flames. We will talk about the GM search. We will talk about the building. But right now, courtesy of our friends at Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Uh, three locations in Calgary, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest by the McDonald's, uh, just down from Winsport. Um, they, you know what? They had a big pop-up sale on the weekend. They've still got great deals. There's still snow in the mountains. There's still reasons to be optimistic that winter will come sooner rather than later. It just seems to be the way the calendar is orientated. So check it out, skisellersnowboard.com, as they present today's guest. Well, well, well. If you told me a year ago that I would be back doing some form of broadcast, I would have said, you're insane. If you told me a year ago I would be back doing some sort of broadcast and these two gentlemen would darken my door, I for sure would have bet everything I owned that that wouldn't have happened. But here we are nonetheless. It's deed an honor, a pleasure, and uh, far too long. I welcome back two dear old friends. Uh, One is a a little bit more distant than the other. I haven't seen uh, Mr. Napastic, Nasty, if you will, uh, for a long, long time. So it's great to have him. Randy Chevrier, Chevy and Nasty are back. They have their own podcast. Um, They're on this one to promote their own podcast. Um, 
But before we start, do you want to go back to the old tradition now, or would you like to talk, and then we'll we'll start with the old tradition? Rob, it's your show. We're just we're just we're just. I've never it. felt just- with you two that it was my show. I I just never felt that. I felt it was a show. I was on it, but you two seemed to run away and hide with it. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, no. I th- I would say that's it. Well, you were with us in the studio for at least a good five episodes. And then, oh, yeah. and then, yep. then punted. And then unceremoniously punted, just given an hour off like I had nothing to do. Well, I think you, you used that time to take a nap, if I'm, not, I if I'm not mistaken. I took naps, ate bonbons. I mean, I did it all. I lived the high life when you two were on the air. Yeah, you were able to collect your stats and Yes, stuff. I was able to collect my stats and stuff. Shall we? You got some good background I, music for I us? think so. Gavin, can you give me something, please? A little 300-pound poetry. A little 300-pound poetry. For the listeners Gavin here went, the game. Gavin went and found... There we go. I will, I will step out and allow you two to do the voodoo that you do. Connections we share. Connections we lose. The connections we keep are the connections we choose. Sometimes we go through phases in life. We get too busy. Maybe we are filled with strife. Whatever the excuses, whatever the reasons, we lose and gain connections through all sorts of seasons. Whatever was lost can always be regained, and skills may get rusty, but they can always be retrained. Because it's always joyful to connect and reunite with old friends, family, and podcasts that feel just right. Chevy and Nasty return here on Just a Game. It's been a minute. But it feels quite the same. Well, I'll say this. Uh, off the radio for about a decade, you haven't missed a beat. Well, no. And I should. It, it, was, it was that bad back then as well. I, he, I was, he literally wrote that in the green right, room. Which is how much different than what he used to do in the past. <laughs> okay, but right? do, you guys recall, do you guys recall the first poem? I'm going to take people back in time. So, so no, I, God is. No, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. So, the first poem, we were in. Uh, we, we were going to be broadcasting from from uh, the Hot Stove Lounge yep. at the Saddle Dome. And yep. we had already done a, maybe an episode or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, Sheldon, and I were gathered right outside the Media Lounge. And I remember saying, hey, guys, guys, listen, I, I got this idea. When, when I used to go on my friend's radio show in Montreal, I used to appear as this guy, the poet. And I would do like a, a weekly rundown uh, uh, of last week's sports moments, but in a, in a form of poetry. And uh, I think we should do this. And... Uh, uh, and uh, I think you guys looked at each other like I was crazy. I, I, yep. I thought it was a terrible idea. I was sure like, did. Yeah. And uh, so Rob... What was I going to say? You both at that point were 300 pounds. No, but Rob's exact words were, oh, okay, well, you know, do something and we'll see what we can do next week. And I'm like, well, guys, guys, just so happens... <laughs> oh, actually, and, I do remember and, this now, And I yeah. pulled the poem out of my pocket. I said, I said, I wrote one for today. I said, do you want, you want to do it? And I said, Sheldon, would you like to do it? And, and so when I asked that, I thought we would record it ahead of time. And Rob's like... Well, sure. You guys will do it. And Sheldon's like, okay, let's do it. And I said, do, do we record? He's like, no, you go on live. And we walked in and we started the show with the 300-pound poetry. And uh, uh, soon after that, weeks after that, we got a splitter, like a nice little yeah. poetry song. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, like, I think I, I – not like not saying this in a boastful, boastful way, but I, I did a lot, I think – uh, you know, in the community, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, with charity stuff mm-hmm. and, and, and things, you know, like kids coaching, yep. I actually played football, even though people don't know about that, you know, that they threw a ball between my legs, 
But the number one thing that people have been coming up to me and Sheldon over for the last uh, 10 years since we've been off the air, maybe 12 years, is, hey, Chef, you got a poem for us? And, uh, you know, when you uh, messaged this morning... I just put it out there. I could not have thought of doing this program without it. And uh, we were glad to oblige, eh, Sheldon? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm still kind yeah. of, a, I still never totally, fully bought into the idea. Although every now and then, Chevy would let me write one of the poems. And I, I remember my favorite clever little line was, Away put your weapons, we mean you no harm. It's Chevy and Nasty, our 300-pound charm. And then once I got involved with it, you know, I didn't mind. And we rolled with it for a little bit. But, yep. geez, I'll tell you what, Rob, sitting here looking you in the eye, mm-hmm. headsets on, microphones on, it is, uh, it's awesome to see you again, Oh, it's friend. good to see you, pal. It is really good to see you you we've lost a little bit of touch i keep track as best i can uh, tell us a little bit about life for you now because you're kind of in a really neat place i think uh if if what chevy's been telling me is true if he's been lying then i guess we're about to find out but you're doing some pretty cool stuff right now well i i am so like obviously when i got out of football i was in the real estate industry yeah. and commercial real estate and and uh because you were still doing the show, um, yeah. Once you I'd, retired, I'd, right? I'd, show, yeah. I'd show up in the suit and yeah, I remember come by, yeah, and, yeah. and and it was kind of getting busy and hectic. Um, but you know, Calgary, Alberta, booms and busts. Uh, I, I think somewhere along the way, I just fell out of love with wearing a suit mm-hmm. and you know going into negotiating commercial real estate deals. It right. just it just wasn't me anymore. Right. And we're sitting there out in uh, Lake Cucanusa, um, the first summer of COVID. Like you remember yep. on March 20th when all of a sudden oh boy, uh, the streets were clear, nobody was out there. So we said, hey, let's just head up to the trailer and spend some time up there. Uh, and we're sitting there by the campfire and, and I had a drone that I was shooting industrial parks with. A buddy of mine uh, in Calgary got me into drones and I'm like, why don't we just start a company and just drone, mm-hmm. right? Just start shooting drone videos and photos. Do you know how to edit videos? Well, no, but I, I think I can figure it out. Um, <laughs> so what do we call it? Well, let's call it WeDrone. So we started WeDrone. Um, he was going to take over the world. Then suddenly I realized that realtors don't just want drones. And everybody's asking, well, do you shoot inside photography? I'm like, with the drone? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, I, I don't know, but hey, I'm, let's give it a try. How hard can it be? The, the same way we started this show, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and from there, it grew into virtual tours and social media videos. And, yeah. and then when Chevy was like, I'm bored, let's do something fun. Well, I've got all the gear to start the podcast, so why don't we do that? Right. And um, yeah, so it's, it's been fun. It's been a labor of love. Uh, two years in, three years in, I guess now. Uh, growing every day and just shooting cool projects I want to shoot. So tell me about drones because i i can almost i like it's within the last 10 years they've really become this thing right how do you separate you know joe goes down to walmart and orders a drone from what you do because there's a lot of regulations there's a lot of rules around it isn't there yeah and it's one of those things like i i think the the more you know the more rules you realize you're breaking okay uh like for me i had to go out and of course insure it i got my regular drone license and my advanced license because anything within five miles of an airport you need a permit to take off and if you're within a mile of it you need to be on the phone with tower and, and you know making sure you got any instructions from them for the day right right so, you know, technically there's a lot of stuff that you have to know regulatory wise, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, the software on these drones now, I mean, literally I, I you, you take off, um, even if by chance you lost connection or, or yep. it runs out of running out of battery, it's just going to circle back and land within three feet of where it took off from. Um, so it's pretty amazing. In fact, I'll tell you, do you, do you have time for a drone story? Short one? Um, this is a two hour show. Oh, well, that good. I, there you, yeah. I'll tell the go. long version. Absolutely. So, um, I was out in, uh, out, out in, um, uh, East Kootenays and buddy of mine's got a construction company. So I was out there shooting his, uh, his social media videos and we're doing this project 
And I was a one-man show. So I, I get the drone up first. I fly it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, bring it down. Um, now, bringing it from quite a ways away. So while it's coming back, I, I go, okay, I'm going to grab my camera and get my camera ready. Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm going to change up the lens now. Next thing you know, I forgot all about the drone. I should admit to this because it's, mm, you know, it's, a, little, it's a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it ha- things happen. Um, so I go off to shoot and um, about uh, 30 minutes later, okay, I'm going to get back there at a new stage, get the drone. Well, I can't find the drone. And that's where it's just that sickening feeling in my stomach. My drone's not there. So I go in there, I check the GPS, the flight path, everything like that. I could have sworn I landed it, but, and it says it's right here, but it's not there. Homeowner comes out um, and he helps me look for about 10 minutes. And then finally he says, how much money you got in your pocket? I said, I got a hundred bucks. Where's my drone? Points up. It got hung up in a pergola on its way down to the ground. So I'd left it on its way here. I meant to land the drone. You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere, of course, but it gets caught up in a backyard pergola. Uh, and it was fine. Just changed out the battery and kept on going. Well, hey, hey, Rob, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Sheldon on the spot here, but, you know, he played football. He had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't have too many injuries in real estate, but Sheldon's actually had uh, a drone injury. And I was surprised when this happened. You got to tell him about your drone injury. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was out shooting, uh, sh- uh, shooting a, um, a property. And, and, of course, like I said, you have to have all your permits and everything like yeah. that. This place wasn't even close to an airport, but the drone has a software that, um, that, um, before you take off in certain places, even though you have your permits and everything like that, been in touch with tower, you have to go in and enter this code to take responsibility of your flight. This one time, uh, it popped up in the air as it should have, but while I was in the air, um, it locked and said, Hey, you have to enter this code, but I've got a drone in the air. Um, so I'm here trying to see with a glare in the sun, all that stuff. And finally, as I'm entering the code, I see the drone shifting back towards me at about eight feet off the ground. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I try to take back control of it. It ends up flying into a power pole and you know, breaks off a couple of props and ends up in his belly buried in the snow. I reach into the snow to grab it, turn it back right-wise again, and the thing starts trying to fly. And that's like a little plastic blender with, you know, uh, and, uh, oh, it was, it was, it was nasty. It was, it was, uh, I call him up on the phone. I call, I don't know if if ever, uh, a family member or a loved one, you speak to them on the other end of the line after they've been injured, but they haven't told you they've been injured, but something just sounds off in their voice. It's like that shocks it. Like Sheldon, are you okay? Oh yeah, Chef. I I I just cut myself. I, I, what happened? Well, I had a, a drone accident. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, well, I'm 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 driving down to the to the clinic right now, and I'm like, did you cut your hand off? Like, and then we're sure. just. I'm like, hey, Sheldon, save this one for the air because this is a podcast. Like, I want to know if you have fingers. Like, take some pictures. <laughs> But yeah, he was, he was, you were in shock, eh? Like it was kind of, yeah, well, I, was trying, I was trying to, I was trying to say calm. Nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Yeah. Right. And, right. Um, um, you know, the thing is with a couple of broken props of things trying to fly, I didn't know if I had control of it yet. So yeah. I, I had to get it back on his back and in the bed of my truck. But uh, yeah, it was, I got a couple of How much damage did you do to the drone? None. Oh. Changed, out, changed out the props. Okay. Um, yeah, no, drone was fine. As long as the drone's okay. Hey, yeah. Uh, drones grow, the skin grows back. Drones don't. Propellers nope, that, don't. Something no. like that. Yeah. Um, you. What are you doing? As I mean, I know what you're doing, but uh, he's flying drones. You're what? I'm still in the fire department, okay. so I got uh, into the fire department. You and Rennie. Uh, yeah, Rene Paredes is yeah. a, a brand new graduate of the first class of 2023. I actually saw him Saturday evening. He's so excited, loves the job. But I've been on since uh, 2017. My role now in the fire department is a community safety officer. So I do a lot of education, outreach. Uh, in communities where uh, we, we, we kind of target them as higher risk communities. So mm-hmm. 
a lot of work with seniors, yep. children, people with disabilities, new Canadians. We teach about fire safety, ice safety, water safety. Uh, just try and uh, reduce the risks on the other end of the emergency response uh, aspect of it. And I love my job. Like it's, I think, you know, if I, I miss, I miss going to emergencies. Like I, you mm-hmm. know, I miss going to fires and all that fun stuff. That's very much like, uh, playing a sport and being on a team, mm-hmm. but I'm doing something really meaningful now. Uh, you know, we only have three officers for a big city, so would love to see that number grow at some point, sure. but, uh, we do meaningful work for people that need that work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went uh, last Thursday, uh, I was at the uh, Immigrant Education Society up in uh, uh, in the Northeast. Right. They do uh, English classes for new Canadians. Mm-hmm. And uh, going there and have an opportunity to spend an hour and a half with them, talk to them about fire safety, kitchen safety, uh, talk to them about the fire department, what we do, yeah. and, and uh, just meet people that are super grateful for our service and just that we're, we're teaching them something that they didn't know because people coming from different places in the world uh, don't have, don't have the same standards, the same cultural yep. uh, practices. And uh, you know, fires, fire safety is, is super important. I mean, we we're seeing a, a real uh, large number of fires in the cities now. And it, you know, it kind of took off during COVID and it seems like the trend is kind of up there, up there. And it, you know, it has a lot to do with the way new homes are built, uh, new building products, things burn faster. Uh, homes are closer, you know, so, um, all these sorts of things lend to a heightened risk. So it's a really neat job that I've got. Um, and, and I truly enjoy it. Uh, I don't work shift work. So, uh, allows me to, um, be a dad with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a single dad when, when I have my boys and, uh, that's an important role for me. So I'm, I gladly made that uh, career shift. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, well, and, and let's, and let's be honest for one second. What he tells me, the whole reason he joined the the department and he's still in the department, it's all about that calendar, right? <laughs> Every year, yep. Yep. they come knocking on his door, Chevy, yep. you got to be in our fireman's calendar. I think, yep. what were you, Mr. February last year? Uh, no, I, I did the calendar a couple of years in a row. So the calendar, the fireman calendar is actually pretty cool. Um, so it, it was a yearly tradition, actually. In fact, this year will be the last year that the Calgary Firefighters Burn Treatment Society produces a calendar. Uh, the Calgary Firefighter Burn Treatment Society is the charity that produces the calendar. And uh, gosh, such an amazing charity. We, um, uh, I'm, on, I'm, I'm considered a director and I just do some social media posts mm-hmm. and they gave me a title as director. But I wanted to contribute in a volunteer position because, yeah, doing the calendar was fun and it was a great way to get in shape and kind of interact with other people in the job considering I, wasn't, uh, I was no longer on the floor. Yep. But the Burn Treatment Society, we fund... Uh, research chairs at the University of Calgary Vet Medical Center where they do uh, research on animals that can be uh, brought over to human mm-hmm. uh, uh, trials when it comes to skin re- rejuvenation or, or skin regeneration and, and uh, a wound treatment. Uh, we have the Burn Society at the Foothills uh, Burn Center. That's all funded through the Calgary Firefighters Burn Treatment Society. Yeah. And uh, it's completely volunteer run. So uh, actually we have one staff member now because it got a little bit bigger than us. But this charity has been run by firefighters on their spare time for however many years it's been in existence. It's such a fantastic thing. They do a burn camp in the summer. So for burn survivors mm-hmm. and children, especially that are burn survivors, they have a week-long camp out in Kananaskis where it's all uh, free. They get, to, they get to interact with other burn survivors, learn, uh, just have a great normal experience. So we do all this amazing stuff. Yep. And the calendar was, was 
one very small part of our fundraising initiative. Um, and it was fun to be part of. I, I did enjoy uh, training for that. I mean, I, I, during COVID, I was, I was quite isolated. I was actually working from home in my current job. So I, I, I wasn't at the fire halls. I wasn't at the gym. And all I did was work from home. And at five o'clock at night, I'd shut my laptop. I'd go work out in my gym for a couple hours, especially on the weeks where my kids were at their mom's place. And, you know, it gave me a goal. It gave me a fitness goal. And, and I would say that that first year in the calendar really – pushed me forward. In fact, that actually helped me uh, get re-signed with the Stampeder, uh, Stampeders the year later because right. I, was in, I was in really good shape. And, and so uh, it started as a fun thing, uh, a personal thing to get, uh, get in shape and just give me some sort of carrot at the end of the stick to kind of work on my own health and fitness. But it, it grew into something actually a lot bigger for me, a, a volunteer role with this really amazing charity uh, that does some amazing stuff. We're actually having a burn survivors conference here in Calgary at the Westin in May. Uh, and, and it's some really neat stuff that people don't know we do. Uh, and all these uh, guys and girls that are involved with the burn treatment society, my hat's off to them. Cause I, I literally post stuff on social media when they ask me, but we have some firefighters there that steer millions of dollars of research money and grants to 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 causes that matter that most people would never know of unless they've experienced mm -hmm. uh, a burn or, or know someone that's that's a burn survivor so it's, it's right. pretty cool stuff are you retired from football, football? yeah I, you know i i keep kind of getting inspired by chef that yeah. maybe there's a chance like okay. I'm, I'm 48 this year yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so i still think i've got about two three years in that window okay i got a quarter anyway good okay. maybe, maybe if, if maybe you need it if, yeah yeah are you retired i don't know I don't know. I, I, you know what? I saw Mark kill him the other day. Um, and I said, Mark, you know, I said, uh, you still have my phone number. I said, now Renee's on the fire department. There's no reason why we can't have an all, uh, firefighting, uh, snapper, kicker and holder. We have Mike Juhas, uh, oh, who right. was a Calgary Stampeder holder in 2004. Yeah. That's uh, 2005. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. He was my holder. Uh, Sandra I remember DeAngelis the name. First year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike yeah. was a receiver. Uh, I have quite a history with Mike, but uh, a good history. Uh, he was the holder my first year in Calgary. So he's on the fire department. And we're actually all, well, I'm not anymore, but technically, we were all on the same shift. So we can have, um, we can have a holder, kicker, snapper uh, combo from the fire department. Well, but they still have a flag team too, though, don't they? Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be with the stamps. Yeah, no, but, you know. We, I don't know. I mean, if, it's, if you get the whole team, wouldn't it be kind of fun, like, entertainment-wise, if, if we created, like, a small little fire truck and they drove them out, like, you know, how they bring out the pitchers yeah. in, the, in the little golf carts? We had a little fire truck that delivered the, the snap, the kicking team, out to, you know, the hash marks. I, I'm hearing, do, 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 That's exactly what I'm yeah. thinking. I, you know what? I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, Hollywood lights here, Rob. Yeah, Hollywood <laughs> lights, yeah. But, but, yeah, no, the question, am I retired? I don't know, like. Like, if they call me, I think I, well, I know I can still do it. There's no question I can do it, but you know, will they call me? Probably not. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 47. I could, I tell them I have till I'm 50. Okay. If till okay. 50, I can, I can come in and help you out. Okay. After 50, I might be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to relax. Cause you're 47. Two, no, no, I'm not that. What? You're two years removed from Saskatchewan or three. Two years uh, when I played in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Oh, that was 2016. But your call, your last call up was a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah. with yeah. the stamps. Yeah. Or with the stamps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, two, yeah sorry. Two with years the stamps. Ago. Yeah. yeah two, two years ago, ago the stamps called me. Yeah. Uh, and that was a really cool situation. I mean, uh, it, it started actually where the Montreal Alouettes needed, and it was like me taking a shot in the dark. What I always do, I just start a conversation with someone. I reached out to the old GM Danny Machocha, and I had seen a couple of long snappers got hurt. And a couple of guys that were what they call on the street had been signed. And there wasn't a lot of on the street guys. 
And uh, so I called Danny Machocha and I was like, hey, I just messaged him on Facebook. I said, Danny, what's your plan if, like, what's your, what's your emergency plan if so-and-so goes down? He's like, well, would you be interested? I'm like, well, he's like, because we talked about you. And then this conversation started where I guess the guy they had was actually undergoing surgery and they had nobody. And their best long snapper was not the guy they wanted to be long snapping. They had a guy that was supposed to be a snapper, but he couldn't snap in the game because he, he actually wasn't very good. So they were wasting a spot and they're like, we want to bring you in. So this whole conversation started where I was actually going to go play a half a season with Montreal. And it was, it was really taking wheels and the fire department was super supportive. I ran Mm. into some roadblocks with our union and WCB coverage from my work because I was actually still going to be working. And so it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I got a call from actually the Stampeders long snapper and said, Hey, you better be ready. And I'm like, and this is Aaron Crawford at the time. And he's like, well, you know, he's like, when the flight rules changed, there was a lot of stuff around the vaccination. And, and in, in the playoffs, they started in November, but in December of that year, I believe it's 2021, all the regulations would change. Yeah. And, and players yeah. that were not vaccinated w- would not be allowed to fly and all this stuff. So there was a lot of uncertainty. Anyhow, so then I, it was so weird because no one called me for a few years. And the next thing you know, I got Montreal literally ready to sign me. And there's a hiccup because of WCB that I can't go. And I get this text from a member of the Stampede. So I call Mark Hillman. I'm like, what's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, I don't know. And it, it just worked out that the Stamps were like, yeah, you know what? Uh, we can't just sign you. We need to work you out. I'm like, well, I don't want to just be signed. I like, I want to prove that I can do this. Otherwise I'm not coming to do it. So, so kill him calls me. He's like, we're going to work you out this Friday. So I went in on a Friday and they had, you know, all the scouts, they had Mahoney out there, Brendan Mahoney. Uh, they had uh, Cole Huffnagel, mm-hmm. a few other coaches out there just to see if I still got it. And it was kind of like an audition again. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready for, I've been ready for it since, since I left in 2016. So I walked down the field, I snapped, I don't know, five or six balls to the punter. I did three field goal snaps. They're like, Chef, you got it. Let's just see if you can move. I did a few running drills, and they're like, okay. See if you can move. And then, uh, and that was it. And then I went home. They signed me two weeks later, and uh, it was cool. I, got, I went, I went uh, that first week of the playoffs. I was on the practice squad, mm-hmm. and it was neat because this was the cool thing. I didn't get to play. I didn't get the Hollywood ending to play in the playoffs. They, did, they got eliminated in the Saskatchewan yep. game. Yep. But for me and Sheldon, Sheldon and I, we've been getting together a lot lately since we started podcast and, mm-hmm. and, and meeting with you. For me, I really thrive on connecting with people. Mm-hmm. I could care less about winning or losing, but having a really meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And for two years, I was working from my kitchen table. Right. I, I did not need to put on my uniform to do my job. I had a computer. If I was on a Zoom call, I put on my uniform. Sure. But, but when I went to the Did sta- you wear pants? <laughs> Shorts. Okay. But when I went to the stadium... Every day, I put on my uniform. Mm-hmm. I didn't need my uniform to go to the Stampeder Stadium when I went, because I was working, and then I had a two-hour window where I could go to practice and then get back to work. And, but I put on my uniform every day. Every day, I went to that locker room. For a week that I was there, I put on my uniform, and guys were looking at me like, whoa, wow, this guy's like, he's, he's in his uniform, and he's coming to help us out. He's a firefighter. Like, and it started some amazing conversations with some young guys, right? One, I knew for them it was kind of different. So late in, the, late in the year when it could get monotonous, something a little different. But it started some really good conversations with some guys about what's after football. And I had two or right. three guys that applied 
and showed interest in the fire department because of that. And I really had some meaningful engagements, even though it was a week, even though I didn't get to play in the game, I felt like I had a little impact in that locker room. And I know there's a couple of guys, I don't want to say their names because again, the, the process to become a firefighter is, is very yeah. grueling and you can yeah. be cut at any time. Yeah. But there's some guys that are in the process that started when I went there. Renee had been in the process already. Mm-hmm. Renee, Renee, I think he applied maybe 2018, maybe okay. 2019, but a few of the young guys applied or thought about that as a career after. I was able to basically tell them how awesome it is and how, how many of the skills from the locker room translate uh, to, to uh, firefighting and first response. And it was really, for me, it was fulfilling because I, I, again, two year, or a year or whatever of COVID, not really seeing people, gave me an opportunity to, to, to be myself and to really right. enjoy. And guys, I think, respected that. And it was fun. It, it was really cool to be part of that ride. It didn't last too long, but, uh, you know, I worked out for them. I proved I could still do it. I could still do it now if they called me. But the, the meaningful exchange that I had there for the week that I was part of the team was really fun. How do we end up? reviving Chevy and nasty. How does the podcast come about? Uh, it's kind of a, kind of a funny question. Like we've always, it, it over the last 10 years, every time we do talk, it's almost like, geez, that, that that's you a show. Save it for the air. That yeah, was a yeah, show. Yeah. Um, uh, but a couple of years ago, uh, our old employer, the old fan 960 called us up as you're in COVID and there's zero sports going on and zero yep. programming and, and zero to, uh, you know, to sell advertising for, right? Right. Um, so they gave us a call and, and said, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, do you want to give we it know another try? About, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we went and we shot like a teaser episode that they would take out and try to sell sponsorship to. And, and of course, it never went anywhere. They, they used the content. I mean, it got, it got played a couple of times. Sure. Um, but uh, it, it kind of got us thinking, maybe we should do this. And she, she was like, I got a lot going on in my life. I just, I can't commit. I can't commit. And really, we didn't know how to get it started. And Sheldon, just to cut in for a second, I, I had a health challenge. I had mm-hmm. uh, a health right, challenge yeah. a couple of years ago. So the year before I signed with the Stamps, I had a health challenge. I had a, I had a tumor in my neck that yep. I had to get taken care of. I was like, Sheldon, you know what? It's kind of important. Yeah. The, the, you know what? Let's pump the brakes on it. We can always revisit, but let's let, let's figure the COVID was going on. I said, you know what? I just want to focus on a few things in my life, including my health. So I'll yeah. let you continue. Well, then fast forward to actually, it's just uh, probably December, January. Um, we're, you're, we're just catching up. And it's like, we've always been those guys that are like, uh, he reached out with a text or a call. I call him back. Hey, let's grab coffee next week. Let's yeah. grab lunch. Well, it never happens. Yep. Um, so this time, Chev, Chev's a bit of a different place in his life. You know, he settled in with a new position. He says, Sheldon, why haven't we ever done that? Why haven't we ever just started a show and I don't care if anybody listens other than our moms and yep. you know um I'm like you know chef to be honest with you I've got all the gear I need right now in my studio everything we need May, except microphones her audio was terrible um so we uh um um you know we said well why don't we just give it a try so we shot one in the in the studio and it, with the bad mics and it was echoey and kind of a pain in the butt and it was just breaking off some rust and but you know what? I felt good you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was fun just to connect. And, and if um, I could jump in for a second, before that call went to Sheldon, you know, everything was right now in my life, right? Like Sheldon said, I got the job. Uh, I got a great gal in my life. My kids are set up. Everything's set up right, and I was missing something. And what was happening, too, is my kids are growing up. Mm-hmm. And here I did. I set everything up to be, like, there for my kids. And guess what? 
They're not there for you. The kids don't want to hang out at the YMCA. <laughs> they don't want to go do stuff. They they want to sit down when they're not playing sports. They want to hang out with their girlfriend. They want to play video yeah. games. They they don't want to do all the stuff that I, I I set my life up for. And I'm like, well, geez, that's kind of empty. And I went through a year uh, and a half of COVID where I didn't see them a lot. And you know, I don't have family in Calgary. I was like, gosh, I need to find something that brings me joy. Right. I need to find some. And what brings me joy is authentic conversations. Every time I sit down with Sheldon, it's not just like catching up, but we talk about some fun stuff and it's always like I get charged up and I'm a different cat. Like I get charged up by people. Sheldon will be the first person to say that after people, he shuts down. Yeah, burnt out like that. No, I'm the same way. But when Sheldon and I go, man, I just feel so good after. So I'm like, Sheldon, I want to manifest this for us. And I said that. I said, if it's just our moms that listen, let's get this going. I said, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. I mean, this podcast thing is so foreign to us. I'm, I'm busy with kids and firefighting and all that stuff. And you're busy with drones and kids. And I said, but let's just shoot an episode and shoot another one mm-hmm. and shoot. And, and we sat down, we did some branding. We know exactly what we want to be. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what our show is, where who, not- who enjoys it and who actually tunes in and mm-hmm. what they want to hear us talk about. Right. And now we just want to grow it. We want to grow it uh, t- to the person that would listen to us. And and that's where we're at. Like, we've we've never spoken more than we have in the last three months. Since December to now, we've never, we, we, we you know, he's like, now he's like my 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 next call. Yeah. Ever. He's yeah. he's my second to last call at night and probably my Sometimes you call. last. Sometimes you sometimes, last. Sometimes. Sometimes. If, if my girl goes to bed early before you, then I'm texting you. But, but we've never spoken more. We've never had such good conversations and because we've done the show we've we've had some really crazy experiences like yeah. connections to people but also some really uh deep and impactful conversations mm-hmm. with people about things that matter to them mm-hmm. and and matter to us mm-hmm. no that that has been evident that's one thing i i tip my hat to both of you is that you know you've been able to go and and get things moving and and jump into places that that need your perspective, right? I mean, we're all, let, let, let's not dance around the bush here. I mean, we, this is a league, the CFL is a league right now that needs more. Yeah. It needs more of everything. And it needs more of you guys, and it needs more of us, and it needs more of everybody. Um, and it's been fun to kind of see you guys muckraking and, and you know, kicking up and stuff like that. Because that's what we need. Uh, it, just need more of it. But uh, if I can, if I can jump in, Rob, because no, I don't, it's my show. You can't. <laughs> but but no, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to also misrepresent what we are because we'd be lying if we said we're a, we're primarily just a sports show. Like when we sat down, Sheldon and I did a lot of like hours of work before we ever recorded yeah. our second episode. Yeah, we recorded our first one. Like oh, that was fun, but now we need to yeah. do some work. One of the things we discovered is. We're different than we were when we did Chevy and Nasty on the Fan 960. Mm-hmm. We've lived the life. We've won. We've lost. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've hurt. We, we've mm-hmm. failed. And that's what we want our show to reflect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a show about great stories and conversations for people that have, have, have been punched in the face or mm-hmm. punched in the groin. Mm-hmm. It's what we would tell our younger selves when we were full of piss and vinegar and yeah. we were invincible. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that night that when I first met uh, your, you know, your, your significant other and we're sitting around talking about these yeah. ideas and we're trying to express, you know, express what it is. And yeah, okay. So the, the, we're not just adrenaline like it used to be. Right. And so we're, we're not the bar stool. We're, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're the campfire. No, we're no, the road I, trip. Absolutely. And, and that's sort of where, where it came from. But football needs it. 
but but football needs it. And now yeah. some of the some of the football guests we have have other things to talk about that are fascinating. Oh no, and that's but, fine. And but, that's fine. But the fans, you're right. There yeah. is a lack of content there for CFL fans. The big networks certainly aren't doing the nope. league any favors in how it's promoted. No, nope. and it needs people just getting the content out to the guy that actually wants to hear some stories in February, March, April. Yeah. Right. And, and lately we've really been engaged the last three weeks. We've really been engaged in what's been going on at Simon Fraser. Yeah. Yoder's and I now. do. Okay. Let's, let's yeah. talk about this a little bit because uh, I haven't, you know, it, and that doesn't mean anything. I I haven't even broached it here. Mm. Um, it, it always felt to me more like a BC story. You know what I mean? If it was a Calgary story, I'd have to reevaluate it, but it felt like a BC story. You guys have turned it into a football story, uh, a family story, parent story. Now, uh, do you want me to set? No, this but up you or? start. But, but no, that's not true, though. You got there, but why did you originally talk about it? I was talking to my kids about, like, my kid goes to uh, Bishop Carroll, which got an amazing music program, self directed. There's no bells, there's no classes. Yeah, and I said so, but and we have to drive him 40 minutes every day to get to yeah, school. Sure, and I said to him, what would happen to you if you signed up to go to? that school for the music program, or let's say you yeah. went to Toronto for the music program yep. and you're sitting there in your second year is yeah. you're having the career of your life. You signed up, you've gone through all the hardships and trained so hard to be there. Yep. And one day somebody walks in and says, you can't play anymore. Yeah. And the impact that that has on, on, on the young people and the families that have entrusted their kids to go to that great football institution, great academic institution. Not arguing. It was wrong. Not arguing any of that, but this and again, let me play the role of villain here. Sure. Let me and this is because I'm going to say things that I don't believe. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to say things that I'm just saying them because of, of the situation. But the first thing I'll say is they weren't playing Canadian football. They they chose not to be part of U Sports. They chose. They were not mandated. They were not demanded. They chose to go that direction. Did they not? Yeah, they did. They okay. absolutely did. That wasn't us. That wasn't you know, the, they got kicked. Now, correct me, because I am not as up to speed on the details as you totally, are. Totally. Yeah. But my understanding was, essentially, they got kicked out of the conference. Yes. Right? Okay. Not renewed. Not renewed. Not, right. Sorry. So, they so, got, they got, so, so, so they just, to, make, just to be clear, yeah. the Simon Fraser yeah. uh, Red Leafs played in the NCAA. All their sports are NCAA. All, all of, but yeah. at one point, they were a CIS they, they school. Kind of they were a short they, period they, of time. Before that, they were NAIA. Yeah, they were NAIA. Oh, that's right, too. They were okay, NAIA. Yeah. They bounced to, C, uh, right. to CIS at the time, and they went back to the States. They wanted that as their athletic profile. Right. Uh, destination school within Canada. Right. And within Canada, in the football world, I remember I started football very late in life. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of acumen as to what the programs were available. But Simon Fraser was always regarded as this real unicorn in Canada yes. because they offered scholarships. And that's what they wanted to do for their athletes. They wanted right. to be a full-ride scholarship right. school, which the CIS at the time, right. U Sports now, never offered. Right. So that's why they chose that route. They wanted to be that destination school. And was everybody okay with that? They were. No, no. Who was they? Who's the they you asked? I'm talking they? about, if we're talking about Football Canada, if we're talking about the CFL, and if we're talking about whatever that, that would have been CFL. Well, the CFL sure was okay with it because the highest number of draft picks in the history of the CFL came from no, Simon Fraser. No, it's always come from Simon Fraser that's not playing the Canadian game. Right. 
Am I missing something here? Uh, you know, the way I look at it is, is like, uh, where you're coming from, okay, are they too good for Canadian? Does it speak badly about Canadian football? But we had Jim Mullen on our show, president of Football Canada. Yep. Uh, he seemed to be a huge fan and supporter of it. What this is, is this is choice within, within Canada. Okay. When we had uh, the Kremlers on, uh, Gideon Kremler, the yep. quarterback this year, yep. um, he thought it was the coolest thing that I got to stay at home and play in the NCAA. That Great. Yes, he could have gone to McGill. Sure. He could have gone to UBC. He could have gone to Texas. He could have okay. gone to Idaho. Yep. Um, and also, but bear, he got to play NCAA football in Canada. There's nothing wrong with that. And bear in mind, BC okay. minor football plays NFL rules. They're the only province that plays okay. four down okay. football. Okay, okay, but, but well, what happened? But here, you Rob, guys know that because you're in football, right? Yeah. So, but but right? this is this is the injustice of all. This is why it became a story for us. This is why it, it was the way it went down. There is an understanding that um, well, well, the athletic department of the university said that it wasn't uh, a money decision. Mm-hmm. Now, for those that don't know the situation, basically in the middle of exams, the athletic director summoned all the kids on the football team to tell them that the program was canceled mm-hmm. for the 2023 season. Mm-hmm. They were competing in the Lone Star Conference, which is a Division II conference. Yeah. And unfortunately... Contracted up to 2024. Right. Division II right. football in the United States, there's no real conferences for schools west of Colorado. Right. So they had to play in this basically primarily Texas conference. Yep. The conference basically decided to unaffiliate them for the 2024 season. Yep. So they did not have a home to play with, play uh, or, or, or a place to play in 2024. Yeah. They still had a full schedule of games ahead of them in 2023. Mm-hmm. So instead of playing out that that season, mm-hmm. looking for solutions which would have included going to NEIA mm-hmm. and asking for reinstatement, going to U Sports mm-hmm. and figuring out a way. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing all those things, the athletic director dropped the program, obviously in conjunction with the president of the university, mm-hmm. brought the kids in, told them that it was done, and said, well, you know, the process to apply to U Sports is very complex. Therefore, we didn't even make an application. Mm-hmm. No, that's outside. Don't worry. Yeah, I was no, just but sure that wasn't my truck. <laughs> you know, it's well, not your truck. No. That was my dramatic pause. Oh, that was your dramatic. I thought you heard the beeping. But but so what I'm saying is, you got all these kids, hopes and dreams, families that worked for that for, for that opportunity, and you didn't even go to bat for them. There's obviously but, but, something more more. But it's at, interesting. At play. That, but it's interesting, Sheldon, that you lead with a music example, right? If if it was a, I, I apply it to my kid. No, right, and and, is, and it works yeah. for my kid too. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and I'm so jaded that. When we leave the hands, when we leave things like this in the hands of bureaucrats, Democrats, bureaucrats, but government funded institutions and those types of things, it just seems like this, this really, this is the fight we're going to pick. What about when they raise? So, okay, so that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Because at first, when I first saw the headline, I'm like, are you kidding me? They're now canceling football in Canada. This is ridiculous. What's on the other channel? Right, that was my sure. first. That was yeah, my yeah. first take yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Then what? Where I've started really get engaged was when I heard that a group of five students yeah. were going down to the courthouse to file an injunction. Okay. And to me, it's like, like for me, oh, I'm sorry, something bad happened to you. What are you going to do about it? Well, these kids were fighting back, or yeah. at least doing what was in their power. Yeah. And it was at that point where I saw, uh, you know, and that's that's a yeah. big thing to take on an academic sure institution like Simon Fraser. And it was at that point that you know, um, Chevy's like, "Geez, I think I think we got to talk about this." I'm like, "It's, it's like the Ukraine. If the Ukraine, everybody expected the Ukraine to to roll over and sure. fold in the Ab- first month, absolutely, and then it'd no longer be a story, right? But these kids are making it a story, and they're backed by some really 
uh, powerful alumni and legal people. And they, and, they, I, and it's, it's the music program example that you brought up that, you know, I worry that if that happened, that they wouldn't have that same profile available to them to help. Right. Because yeah. Farhan Lology, Glenn Suter, you guys, I mean, it's a who's who of lining up and saying, you know, we're not putting up with this. We got to fight this. And God bless. I, I think yeah. it's great well, that Rob, you guys are doing it. For every cause, a champion's got to rise up. In the music pro- program, maybe it's Brian Adams that went to that music program and says, man, I got to care about this. But may, otherwise what, it dies. What, what got taken out of so many schools, though, in the 90s and 2000s, right? Well, and that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about is that, you know, I, again, may, maybe I'm... I was I was in the ACAC in the 90s and I saw a real effort like it's it's a little bit silly that this country has a you know college sports university sports and and the twain shall never meet right Mount Royal was an, an ACAC college they become a university so their program moves up I saw state the state Trojans were a model uh, program basketball hockey programs they applied for CIA no you're not a university uh-huh. that sort of thing so I, I've kind of I college university sports jades me a little bit because it's really what we need is a divisional system we need university sports and if you're a college maybe you play div two and if you have a really good volleyball program maybe it goes to div one that's equal access to me Right, I, I, th- I think I think that's a great call. I mean, if if we could have something structured like that, like in different divisions, that's fantastic, and offer right. all students across Canada the same kind of opportunities. Talking to uh, Jim Mullen, one of the things we're seeing coming out of Quebec right now, yeah, is um, uh, and this is to like, not, I know we don't have Title Nine here, but trying to equal opportunity for boys and girls. Yep. Right. So now they're introducing flag football for yes. women, scholarships for flag football. Yes. Now you have a lot less players on a team. But you can get that into SAIT, SIAST, all the all, smaller schools. All of those programs, that's how we would grow the sport. And yeah. if, we're, if, we, we, if we take it to football, again, sure. Sheldon and I, you know, we, talk, we talked about the show wanting to be a, uh, a bit bigger and a bit more than just football. We want yeah. it to be life. We yeah. want, well, football is the thing that taught us some life lessons. Sure. Sheldon and I would never have gotten anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to afford those same opportunities for other kids. Sure. Now, that's through football. There are many opportunities in many, uh, whether it's music, different types of sports. But football, historically, even when I was in university, was always sort of under attack. Well, you know, it's it's football. There's 60 60 players, predominantly males. It's Mm -hmm. violent, all that. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. right now, it doesn't look good on on, on a, let's say, social landscape. But when we had Jim come in, and it, like, first of all, football is a very diverse uh, sport. And yep. when you talk about Simon Fraser football, we had uh, the mom on as well. Not yep. just Gideon Kremler. We had his mom on yep. to talk about what that team meant to them. You talk about kids. Like their, their team was made up of uh, 30% of the kids were from the USA. It's mm-hmm. the only probably makeup like that in Canada where American kids actually get exposed to Canadian culture and vice versa. And we have people from so many different socio- socioeconomic uh, 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 fronts in football. From community football here in Calgary, no child ever has to pay for a helmet or pads. Yep. It's one of the most, it's more accessible than soccer. I signed my son up for soccer and it's over 1500 bucks. I'm like, there's a ball in cleats. Yep. And football is like... F- maybe $400 registration and you get everything provided. Yep. It's always been an accessible sports. So there are some, uh, some really 
uh, green flag things that we don't celebrate about that sport and what it does to mentor he, he, young men. But but sorry, just just and women. When, and women, yeah. Well, and women. But when Jim came on, not only did he talk about the merits of having a tackle football system in mm-hmm. Canada, but all the work they've been doing on a Football Canada wide uh, uh, scale to promote football in not just uh, with males and females, but different cultures. The, the, he mentioned that the Canada Cup in flag football this mm-hmm. year, so the Canadian Championship, mm-hmm. is going to have a, an indigenous female team competing for the national championship. Mm-hmm. That's unprecedented, and it starts in a female division. So... The, the, the well, it's not unprecedented because if you're talking about an indigenous team at a national championships, lacrosse has that. No, no, but within football. Within oh, football. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, my mistake. I thought and, you were talking about within sport. No, no, within okay. football yep. and, and, and yep. started in the women's division. Yep. And so there, there are strides being made, but football is always seen as this, this real, uh, you know, what I would say, exclusive club. And, but it, but it, it's not. It's very inclusive, and people have opportunities to participate. No, and, and I'm not. I'm not taking a shot at football. And again, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm gladly taking the role of villain in this yep. because it needs it needs to to parch out that conversation. But what football is doing is what all sports should be doing, and and it's not look at football. It's like why aren't we doing this? Yeah, right. And good on football for doing it because there are other sports. But I was at the Booster Club last night, and and the Pentathlon Fencing Club. Uh, won a scholarship because they're creating a, a wheelchair uh, pentath- uh, uh, fencing program, right? Are, are you into fencing or, or uh, is this a no, uh, I just organization you're working it with? Was, no, no, it was just a booster club last night at their uh, awards banquet. And they gave away a scholarship to this group that is, is doing this. So again, it comes back to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And football needs to do that because football yeah. has all, I mean, football's always had that Title IX in the States, piece right it funded all the sports because it was the most popular sport but it never had a female piece to right it right until now and now again th- this is how we grow the sport this right. is how inclusion and everybody yes. and we play it is a great unfortunately the problem that your sport has and now i'm putting it back on you guys like i have no ownership on this but if we if we invented football today it would be illegal yeah 100 <laughs> percent Right. Yes. If um, we so so now it needs to adapt. It needs to adapt, and it's adapting. It's I, I'm I'm ecstatic when you're telling me that the head of football Canada is talking like this. Yes, that's adapting. But in this particular issue, yes, with Simon Fraser dropping their football team, right? The way it was done, yes, without any consultation. There was no consultation to the alumni. There was no consultation to anyone involved, any stakeholders, parents, no one. It was dropped like a bomb in the middle of the night while they were in finals. When they did have an option. My, my, only, my only pushback to that is, and it's not justification, but it's also not unprecedented. I think if you, if you dug deep, you would find other programs and other uh, music programs, drama programs, sports teams across this country have had the same treatment, and it'll always be the same thing. Why? Why? Why did they do it? Yeah, but it's not right. No, it doesn't make it. I'm not saying. Not right. I'm not saying it makes it right, Randy. I'm just saying don't. Well, let's not portray the story as unprecedented. But no, but, but, saying, but it, when, it, and when you ask why did they do it, uh, and then they come out and say it's not. A, they said it's not money related. Um, and cool. Take that for. Well, take it. For no, no, worth, yeah, right? I know. Like we, we're all old guys around this table. We know it's all money related. It's always money related. There's sometimes it's agendas. 
But then you got then you got a Mardomus. You got. But it's taking that money and putting it somewhere else. Then. Yeah. So it is money. So it's money. So it's money. But you got a Mardomus. Two million dollars on their on their. I believe I started this program by saying it'll be a bunch of guys yelling and talking over each other. Twenty million dollars. Yeah, they just spent twenty million dollars on a stadium two years ago on a brand new stadium. Amar Doman, president of the BC Lions, owner of the BC Lions, said, "If it takes a check, I'm going to write a check." I'll write the check. Yeah. So we've got people stepping up. One of the neat things that yeah. we, we've always understood about football across Canada, and I've seen it at the community level, into university level, and and it is unfortunate about the sport is that it's very siloed. So yeah, you know, that, again, that's not unprecedented either. No, but it's it's unfortunate in a sport that has such, like you said, if it was started today, but it goes, it'd be illegal. But it goes back to it just goes back to the same thing. Why is it siloed? Money. You might take my money. I might not get my money. My yeah. players might give you my money. My money will go over here. Right. Yeah. It's never what is good for the kid. And that's exactly what you're talking about with the difference between the two different uh, leagues in, in college football. Yeah. Yeah. But we at some point, we're going to have to outgrow that or else. That's why so many times Canadian sports are looked at as, you know, second rate. Right. Uh, we got to figure this out. Right. It, 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 I mean, God bless you guys for doing this. I really mean that. Like, I'm glad you guys, and to me, it's a, it's a great opportunity, not opportunity. It just, it was kismet that it happened when you guys were back because we had your voices in it. You had, like, tell the story. What time was the Jim, Jim Mullen? Jim Mullen was uh, two Thursdays ago. He yeah, came, like ten thirty at night. Yeah, he or came something right. Like that? Yeah, he came right out of the courtroom with the boys, and yeah. he came on the show with us to talk to us. And so we, was TSN doing that? Oh, no, you know what I mean. No, no, no. no. That's, that's my point. Not, not only that, like after it was great talking with Jim Mullen and talking with these, you know, as old guys that yep. played. Yeah, but it, it wasn't until um, Chevy was on Twitter the next day. Um, putting it out there, calling out, uh, hey, where's our, where's our football moms? And the football moms responded. Right. And that's where we got on uh, Lana Kremler and her son, uh, and her son Gideon, who is launching the... Uh, we saw the faces behind the fight, and that's Correct. the voice that we wanted to talk to. Correct. It doesn't matter what us old guys think. Correct. Who are the people that are involved? And, and we're not journalists by any means. No, 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 no. But those were the but best that, stories. But that's okay, because the journalists will come if you, if you surface the story. You guys surface the story. You said something before. you got to have champions. You're yeah. 100% right. You are 100% right. So when I say to you, Randy, this isn't unprecedented, don't worry about it. That's not your responsibility to take care of gymnastics right. or anything like that. You guys are doing football. You've done football. Staying brilliantly. in our lane. Yeah. No, it's not a matter of staying in your lane, but you found something passionate. So God bless you for doing it. I did want to talk. We got a couple minutes here. Okay. You also picked a fight with a, <laughs> a, a Rough Rider broadcaster. Well, I didn't pick a fight, actually. I think he picked a fight with me. Um, oh, no, no, no. It's never... It's everybody I, on them. So, so, so it was a Sunday night. Yeah. I had watched my first XFL 2023 game, and I thought, yeah, it was some pretty good football. Um, I wrote something to the effect that as a developmental league and a path to the NFL, it's great that these options exist. Being a football guy, knowing how limited the amount of jobs are when sure. you leave conf, uh, college, it's great that there are more jobs and opportunity. But to have a path that can lead to the NFL that's not exactly through the draft because I was an outlier. I was an outlier in my career. If I didn't have late opportunities, I might not have played. I was glad for that. So I wrote something to that effect. And I wrote, I also wrote that, you know what? 
there might be some Canadians that would take this path. Maybe before going to CFL, seeing if they could sign with an XFL team, uh, Spring League, play for a year or two, get a shot at the NFL. If it doesn't work out, they yep. can come to Canada. Yep. So Michael Ball, uh, voice of the Rough Riders, I, I think he took a. Here's a little known fact. Voice of the Estevan Bruins the year before I was. Oh, there you go. Really? Yes. There you go. I think he took a little bit of offense to a reply from Dave Naylor. I think they've got a little online I miss beef. Dave. I think they've got an online beef. But then at some point, you know, he was kind of attacking me, saying I should be ashamed for my opinion, saying that Canadians would go there. Well, he said you were embarrassing. Your position yeah, was, was embarrassing. embarrassing. And I was like, you know, I'm only embarrassed if my mom tells me I should be embarrassed about something. Anyone else, it doesn't bug me. But... I did, I did stick to my, my truth, and my truth is, like, if you're a Canadian kid and NFL says, hey, listen, uh, go to the XFL for, for a year or two, get some seasoning in the American game, and come back and see us, any Canadian kid would do that. <sighs> and he said, no Canadian kid in the right mind would sign with an XFL team. I said, yeah. well, when, when your sport becomes your business... You look at things differently than when you were a fan, and that's all I said. But we well, he's not in Estevan anymore, right? Yeah, like uh, they're you're moving on and moving up. And, and I, but, did, I, but and, did, didn't you find? And I said I texted you this. Yeah, didn't you guys find? And I I don't know Michael. I followed him. I I don't know him. Um, I just feel that sometimes those guys in that one market in that one job play a role. They oh, play yeah. a role. Uh, you know what? I've met a couple of them and know them now fairly well. I'm not convinced it's a role. I mean, I, I think uh, I think being a guy from Saskatchewan growing up in that, and yeah, sure, it gets played up a little bit, but there's something about when you get involved with that program in that city, in that province, oh, I, you you drink the Kool-Aid. You're surrounded by it. It is I, such a no, bubble. But, but it's an elevated position. It's, it's, it's different than... There's no equivalent in Alberta. Even the voice of the no. Oilers isn't the same, right? Or the voice of the Flames isn't the same. Oh, no, there's no. There, but yeah. that, I said that to Rod Peterson long, long time ago. Like, I get it. Dude can't go into Walmart in Regina without people coming up to him and, and making demands. And I just think after a while, you, you, you kind of lose sight. You almost get that Messiah complex where now I am the protector yeah, and savior 100%. of all football. I shall tell you, former CFO player, how to think and be embarrassed about it. That there was a little holier than thou component. To I, it. But I think that's I think that's comes with a position like it is I do too. unique i do too it, you know when you were a kid and you yeah. used to watch hulk hogan and uh macho man randy savage when they teamed up and then yeah. they make a fell apart and then you chose this guy's a good guy this guy's yeah. a bad guy and you believed it yeah when it, when, it, when i played for the riders and I, I came and signed with the stamps i i used to i used to love playing in calgary i see guys from my high school sure. from um you know all over yeah. that uh, uh hey nasty let's go go riders uh, the next year, I'd see. Um, oh, actually, I'm telling the story a little bit wrong. I'd be seeing these guys wearing. Uh, when, yeah, when I signed with the stamps, they were excited to see me. They, I see them every game. They're season ticket holders. Yeah. And then when the riders came to town, UF and Trader. Yep. I'm like, well, what are you doing here? Are you on vacation? Well, I work here. Well, so do I. Yep. Um, but it's it's that mentality that football is everything, and it's it's sometimes it's hard to understand. It's out it's of whack. Yeah. It's, it's I, out of whack. It's, they care. And I, this is not a shot. Uh, this is not a shot at, at Stamps fans, elk, elk fans. Not elks. Elks is not a word. Elk is plural. Yes. You don't add an S agreed, to that. Agreed, yeah. agreed. Jeez, Thank you. Louise. It's not a knock against anybody else's fan base. But they care on a way different level, yeah. in a way different space. And, and it's like they want to fight. They're like, 
your drunk uncle who wants to fight yeah. all the time. I don't want to fight you. It's just I don't care. But you must. I'm drunk and yeah. I'm fighting now. Well, and and and, and further to our conversation, I'm I not. Think- a, please, I'm not. A, I'm not suggesting anybody that Ryder fans are drunks. I'm just <laughs> saying your drunk uncle. But but I was being very matter of fact in that conversation. I brought it to the point that the NFL sees the CFL as a minor league. I had to explain that always has the CFL is a minor league in the football landscape. It's not a developmental league. No. The XFL and USFL are minor leagues that are developmental leagues. 100%. So anyhow, 100%. I think he took real offense to me calling a minor league. And I'm like, listen, the CFL cannot get out of its own way historically, whether it's marketing, on field, you know, the, the blunders and the mishaps. They do minor league things, therefore they are a minor league. Otherwise, it would be bigger than they are. And my three kids who grew up in a CFL locker room with trophies on the wall and Grey Cup rings on my finger would actually know one player in a CFL team, but they don't. Right. So anyhow, that kind of went on Twitter, and people were kind of siding with me truthfully they, they you know and, and i heard all the words like people were were were, were being really mean it became personal yeah, yeah, yeah and and the thing is if you know me like i've done a lot of work with bully prevention yep. uh, throughout my career across canada and i was like man i see a real opportunity here to do something bigger than sports because again back to our show i said sheldon we're a sports show we, we that's our anchor we'll draw people in but i want to be bigger than that i want to do things that Maybe it's delusions of grandeur, but I want to do something that's bigger than just sports. And I said, this is a great opportunity to change what everyone says they hate about the internet, which is everyone takes one side mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people were sending me pictures of this guy saying, oh, this is the guy you're fighting with. And, and it was like, it was ugly. And I was like, you know what? I said, Sheldon, I'm reaching out to Michael Ball and he's coming on our show and we're going to talk about it like yeah. men. Yeah. And he came on our show and he was gracious. He came on our show and I didn't, I don't know him well. Like no. I met him once when I played in Saskatchewan for three games. I said, Sheldon, this could be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. It could go off the rails real quick. Yep. I said, Sheldon, you're going to be the referee. And it wound up being awesome because we each described what we thought. He talked about why he thought it was, it, it was hard for him as a CFL fan, a Canadian Football League fan, to hear a guy who played 16 years talk about the league like it was minor league. And I talked about why, as a 16-year player in that league that saw so many things done wrong while I was there and never done right, why we were where we are. And we found some common ground. Uh, Sheldon did an excellent job refereeing us. Oh, geez, you, you think it's hard for me to get a, 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 a word in edgewise when it's just me and Chevy? Yeah. Him and Ballsy? Oh, my, oh God. my God. Sparks were flying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have to do too much. So you guys really, by the end of it, I mean, there's a, a lot of agreement in terms of or yeah. understanding that the league needs to do better. Ballsy's not the enemy. You're not the enemy. Yeah. And that some real work has to be done with the league. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, which I agree with. No, but again, it's what I love about what you guys have done in such a short time is you didn't come back as a novelty act. You didn't come back as, hey, you remember 12? Let me tell you the story I told you 13 years ago. Yeah. You came back and you and you you brought some energy back into it. You, um, anyway, I'm getting tagged here because well, our next but, guest is ready to go. So I've run it, somehow I've managed to run this thing out of time. <laughs> well, if I could say just next guest, speaking of next guest, tonight we're actually going to be interviewing Doug Brown. So Doug Brown is a great... Uh, uh, CFL alumnus played with no Winnipeg kidding. forever. Yeah. Uh, he's also a SF. SFU alumnus. Very cool. Uh, between the time I called him uh, to see if he would appear on our show and yesterday, Jim Mullen, who was mm-hmm. the first guest we had about this Save SFU football, says he says you got to get Doug Brown on the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, we already got him coming on on Monday. We're recording tonight. And uh, I was like, why? He's like, well, he is leading the charge with a bunch of alumni that are going to get their names removed off the SFU Hall of Fame. 
So that's some big this stuff. This is a going football on. story. Yes. This is really. A- hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's gone and become a... Early on, I just thought, oh, this is an academic, you know, government funding story. It's not. It's a football story, and you guys have helped get it there by the people you brought on and the way you've talked about it, so God bless. Yeah, next week we're going to talk about chicken sandwiches. That's yeah, our next yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. best chicken sandwich. I would account. expect nothing less than a 300-pound poetry on Nashville hot chickens. And and by the way, you should go down the street here because this place is awesome. I think we might. We're going to add it to our <laughs> taste <laughs> test list. <laughs> oh, we got four restaurants. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Mm. Mm. Nashville hot chicken. Okay. Rob, thanks so much. Rob, we're not done. Where, oh. where can we find the podcast? Oh, Sheldon. Well, right now, it's called The Ride with Chevy and Nasty. Okay. Um, we're just about to upload everything onto Apple and Spotify. The easiest place to find us right now is uh, on YouTube at Chevy and Nasty, uh, Instagram, Facebook at, che- at The Ride with Chevy and Nasty. No, at Chevy and Nasty. At Chevy and Nasty, and Twitter um, as well. And Twitter, and we're just getting all set up um, uh, to take it out onto the uh, the audio version for podcasts. Oh, it, uh, it's awesome, guys. I'm so glad you guys are back. I'm so glad you can make some time for us. Uh, hopefully, you'll do this again. I don't know. You don't need to anymore. You got your own show. No, we love meeting people. So anytime. We love meeting Ru- Ru- people. Yeah. This takes us back to our very first day in this industry, right? Yeah, so it's it awesome. We appreciate, well, missing we appreciate everything you've done for us. We're yes, the bike over we're the we did it in the crowd during the motocross while they were practicing. And I thought but all of us were going to die from carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide. Yeah. You guys, it was the most intimidating thing I'd ever seen in my life because I didn't know you guys from a hole in the ground. And we were going to be playing the Ottawa Red Blacks that week, and we did the first segment with you, and the second segment, we were like, yeah, we got a show. And he's like, well, what is it? I'm like, ah, Chevy and Nasty. He's like, okay, you're on. And you let us go, and I remember we talked about Josh Ronick and Kerry Joseph. That's what we talked about for a full segment. I remember that now. Because you guys just came on as guests. Yeah. And then yeah. we just, and I, I, just I was, morphed into I, a show. I was teasing you about, so this is your job? Like, you just sit here and yeah, talk sports right. with guys? Yeah. Like, this yeah. is this uh, is You easy. guys do it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the best. Thanks for doing this. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. There you go. Sheldon Thanks, the Bastard, Randy Chevrier. 
Chevy and Nasty show. Check it out. Ride with Chevy and Nasty. Uh, our guest brought to you by the Ski Cellar Snowboard. SkiCellarSnowboard.com. 76 years. Three locations. Blue Cloud Trail by Chinook Center. 17th Avenue Southwest and Bow Ridge Northwest. We are live in the Oodle Noodle Studio. We bring the heat. Dry butter, chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai, classic vegetarian gluten friendly options two locations for pickup and delivery 1244 uh, 17th ave southwest and 105 main street north in airdrie coming up on wednesday speaking of blast from the past our old pal bruce dobigan in studio he's got a new book coming out we're going to talk to him about that but it's monday that means we have to spend some time with the managing editor of flames nation our good friend ryan pike and again brought to you by uh ski seller snowboard ski seller snowboard.com yes yes it's springtime here and the snow is melting but in the mountains there's still room for a little snowing uh skiing so if you want to get out get some uh great deals right now at any of these ski seller snowboard locations ski Sellersnowboard.com. Ryan Pike joins us this afternoon. Um, not much going on since the last time we spoke. Yeah, you you were away last week. I so was. We didn't, we didn't chat, and then nothing happened. Nothing so happened. No, we it's have, we have fourteen days of nothing going on. Nothing so, happened. So, the Flames uh, finished the season, went quietly into the night. Nothing to see here. Move along. Right. Yeah, nothing to talk about. So I guess you know, do you want to talk about? We could talk about the field house. I guess the field house. Yes, I saw at you some on point. We're gonna have to talk about the field house because it's. Very quietly moving along in the background. Uh, I, I see that. The arena, the arena stuff uh, for you know folks uh, mm-hmm. follow this and other platforms will be aware that we've been spending a lot of time talking about the arena for better or for worse. Yep. The field house is moving along quietly and surprisingly quickly. So uh, the, the city has some money for it. They have a committee. They're putting some stuff together. They have a plan. I think they're... They're banding about a couple different options for how how much stuff they want to include in it, but right, yeah, there's uh, that's going well. I th- I don't think that's the biggest story in the city right now. No, I wouldn't say it's the biggest. It wouldn't say it's the biggest story. Um, you know, and and f- hard to ask you to go back and and recreate the the you know the way you felt, but your thoughts a week ago. Um, were you surprised? I, I would. I'll say this, Ryan. I, I was a little bit shocked by some fairly significant names in in sports media saying, "Oh, I was surprised." When I, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. Maybe I'm. Su- maybe I'm surprised that they agreed to disagree and and kind of separate. I'd say, I'd say yes and no. Okay. I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, there's 32 of those jobs, and they are very highly coveted jobs. They are jobs that compared to the majority of jobs in hockey ops are very well compensating, but they're also like very taxing jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, John, John Maloney in, in his conversation with the media on uh, last, a week ago, you know, I don't think he could completely disclose what happened because I don't think he feels like that's his place. Uh, at some point yep. when Brad for living feels the deal that the time is right, I think we'll definitely get a more, thorough undertaking and understanding about what what happened but you know john was very astute when he pointed out like you know this is a 24 hours a day seven days a week you know 12 months a year gig and it can be very taxing and i don't think it's telling tales at a school to suggest that 
the relationship that Brad Living had with Daryl Sutter wasn't all smiles and sunshine and unicorns. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think Nazem Kadri, when he was asked uh, the, uh, the the preceding Friday about just the team's relationship with the coach. And, you know, he, he brought up without really referencing the coach in particular, he brought up the idea that, you know, you're with the same people for nine months of the year and it's not always going to be, I think he used the same, the phrase sunshine and butterflies. Yep. Like it's, it's, yep. it's not all going to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows 24 hours a day, seven days a week when you're dealing with people, especially, you know, I've gotten to know Brad for living, you know, fortunately enough over the last decade, he has a really strong philosophy about what hockey is and what, how hockey should be played and how teams should be constructed. Yep. And for better or for worse, Daryl Sutter has a very well honed sure and well cemented yep. philosophy. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a telling tales at school to to surmise that they probably didn't see eye to eye on everything. We we saw, you know, the Flames bring up Matthew Phillips, mm-hmm. and Matthew Phillips sort of sat around for a couple of weeks. And I know folks will compare the Matthew Phillips situation to the Jacob Peltier situation. I have done that in the past too, in some ways. I'll say this. There's a difference between, you know, a 20, 21 year old kid in his second year pro yep. who's never been up before, who's yep. never been around the NHL team before. Yep. Having him sit around and do practice for a couple of weeks, especially when the NHL club is sort of in the thick of a playoff race. Okay. I get it. Uh, Matthew Phillips mid season. It's a different situation. It's a guy who's, who's got a lot more, a lot more experience. There's a lot more, you know, a lot more uh, water under that bridge, and you feel like you probably know the player better than you know Pelche. Uh, so I don't think, I think the 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 use of the young players is, was possibly a point of contention. Um, I think some of his public comments, uh, I've been I've heard through various channels that Jonathan Huberdeau's camp and the locker room in general apparently were not particularly uh, enthused by his. Uh, taking a shit comments. To yeah. one, uh, I I asked the question. I asked the question. Uh, he left a game, and you know you you you've done this dance. We never get good information from a coach asking about an injured player after the game, but you gotta ask. Yep. So I asked, and that's what we got. Yeah. Yep. So that didn't really. I don't think that won the coach a lot of favors with the locker room. I don't think the what numbers Jacob Pelche comments won him a lot of favor with management or the locker room. Um, I don't think at any point the coach and the GM ever on any team see completely eye to eye. I don't think the coach in the locker room on any team completely see eye to eye at any given point. That's just how things go. Right. But I think, you know, to circle the square, the idea that, that this is a tough job in this market for this team, you know, with the the way things work in Calgary, it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. It can wear on you. And I think all, you know, based on the, contract he was offered and the work situation that it looked like he was going to be returning to at least for one more season i think brad you're living just looked at his options and went nah nah no, not I, for me i not for me i agree and, and you know you and i both do the same thing we you know you consume a lot of the the media and and you know elliot friedman to me is must listen to his partner but elliot friedman is must listen to and elliot chris johnston frank saravelli on and on it goes. The all, all the NHL insiders have said the same thing all year long, that it was not harmonious. But they've all said the same thing, too, that, you know, Daryl's a good man, which he is. Um, sometimes you just don't get along. So that, that's, that's the reality of the situation. I thought it was a little bit interesting last Tuesday that Elliot came out with, well, I've heard from people at the team and, and you know, Daryl and and uh, and and. Uh, Brad get along fine as as friend or you know away from the rink. It's really more of a working relationship thing. So it was important somebody in this organization to point that out. Um, 
the the horse is out of the barn. I mean, I, I again, I, I think sometimes we get too fancy, and I'm guilty of it too, fancy with the words. Daryl and, and Tree were not on the same page. Daryl was not on the same page with some of his players. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, that's the situation. And, oh, don't forget, and we got a prime example of it in that same press conference you referenced, I'm not allowed to use the word rebuild. Uh, Jay Feaster went through this. You'll remember Jay Feaster on TSN prior to the season after they traded uh, – uh, again, and uh, Bo Meester, my job's to make the playoffs. My job is to make the playoffs every year, right? And he got ridiculed for that. And he got Those are the marching orders. That's what Murray Edwards pays you to do. Though That's how this is going to work. So I, I just, I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, what you were offered, what the situation was going to be, the terms of it, I'll just take a break right now. Thank and, you very much. And, and as Peter, and I'll say, I'll oh, go say ahead. This for, I'll say this for Bradford Living. Yeah. Like the, Jay Feaster was very adamant and open with the the marching orders he was given for better or for worse. Brad for Living is a pro, not to say Jay, Jay wasn't, but J- Brad for Living has never really spoken about this is ownership told me to do X. And, you know, I, I give him credit for that. And I think, you know, it you have a shield potentially to use if people don't like your your moves. You can say, oh, the boss has told me to do it. Brad, no, you can't, really but you can't do that. You can't do that while you're employed. The minute you put it, the, the, the minute you put it back on the, you know, that's what Jay, you know, that's why Jay said, it's my job. It's my job. My job is to get this team in the playoffs. I swear to God, those were the words that he was told. It's your job to get this team in the playoffs. I'm not accepting a rebuild. And I get it. I understand it. It's business speak. It's it's all a whole bunch of hooey as far as I'm concerned because we all know we can all see with our own eyes a team that needs a rebuild and a team that's prepared. Ryan, off the top of your head, the highest this team has ever drafted is number wise, right? Twice in, in Calgary fourth, right? They, they drafted second twice in Atlanta. In Atlanta, in Calgary fourth, but in Calgary four times, twice. Yeah. Right. Hey, let's let's not have Jacques Richard erasure in this program. No, 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 no. We will not go back into the. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. But the problem, and what I'm the point I'm trying to make is, yes, you're competitive on some level all the time, but that means a lot of the time you're fair to Midland, and when you're fair to Midland, like this 16th overall pick, you salivate over, but it's not that, right? Like you know, it's it's a you and I both know the percentages. If you're truly going to turn a franchise around, where do you need to be? Top three, right? Yeah. And but it's they, no it, guarantee either. I mean, no, it's no guarantee either. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And most rebuilds take two. Like Chicago had two how, rebuilds. How, People forget how that. Long, how L- bad and how long was Buffalo bad before? Like just this season. Well, how long Buffalo was Edmonton bad? To get up. Edmonton was supposed to turn around with Gagne and and, and or, uh, Cogliano. The, the folks that sign my checks frequently talk to talk to me about the decade of darkness. God bless them. We all have our we all have our crosses to bear. And again, call it critical. I guess it's critical of ownership. Whatever it is, it's the reality of the situation. It's a reality of the situation. There is no team in the NHL that has been as good at being in the middle as this one. Right? Am I wrong? And For I mean, in, through its history. Yeah. There, you know, I, I like I'll. I'll I'll carry a small bit of water for these guys in the sense that when you have a Jerome McGinley and a Mika Kiprasov, I understand the temptation to go, yeah, but as long as you have Mika Kiprasov and he's playing like Mika Kiprasov, you got a chance. And I'll, I'll accept, you know, that me too. I can understand the me temptation too. there. Yep, me and too. when you have a Jerome McGinley, 
But and then, you know, as soon as they clear those out, I think you had one year. I'll say this. I think the best slash worst thing that this org- happened to the organization was that find a way. For I was just thinking the same thing myself. I was just thinking the same thing myself was. And you can you can probably say it better than I can because you can back it up with data. But that was unsustainable. Right. No, that, that that was one of the worst PDO teams in the NHL to get in. And they, they got in based on the fact that, you know, they they had a ridiculous amount of third period comebacks. And, you know, when basically anytime they needed a goal, they got a goal. Every time they needed a prodigious save, they got it. And then they happened to have the the you know, they, they were matched up in the playoffs against the only team maybe as bad or worse than them. The, the Vancouver Canucks that year. Yep. And th- they beat them. They were, they were tasked with beating a team that was inferior to them and right. they beat them. And then they got their, they, they got oh. trucked by a wasn't, wasn't guy. close. Their wasn't luck ran close. out and they were out for match. Yep. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, I think the, the legacy of, of Jay Feaster was, you know, he would, you know, his, his catch phrase was intellectual honesty. Mm-hmm. And the idea was you got to be honest about what you are and what you have. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge was, if you look at the moves that Brad Living made in yep. the summer of 2014, it was, okay, we need some guys that will fill some gaps in for us until the kids are ready. Yep. So you go out and you sign Mason Raymond for three years. You go out and sign Derek England for three years. You go out and you sign Jonas Hiller. Guys who are sort of stopgap guys, yep. all due respect to the players, yep. but they understand what they were. Yep. And then you get Devin Sadaguchi to fill in a gap. You get like They fill in a lot of gaps really nicely in their roster. And then I think, the, A, the kids progressed faster than they expected, and B, I think they t- took the development of the kids as a proxy for the development of the group, which yes, did yep. necessarily That's a good correlate. way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and then that sort of began the the wobble back and forth because you know you you don't go out and for lack of a better term throw a bunch of draft capital to get Dougie Hamilton if you don't think you're close. Mm-hmm. And you know if you think you're close, it's a great move. If you think you're a year or two away. Ooh, losing losing that many high draft picks, especially when you've punted on a couple of guys at the trade deadline to get those picks, yep. it's a challenge. So, yep. I mean, that's the he, he had a, he had his marching orders, and yep. I think he achieved a march. And I'll say this: I think Brad Trilling did far more good than than harm as a GM. I think the organization, if you compare it to where the Flames are now to where the Flames were when J- Jay Feaster left, or even when Brian Burke hired Brad Trilling, right. it's like night and day. Like. Well, Just look, look at the calendar. On Wednesday, the Flames minor league affiliate yeah. is going to head into the playoffs as the number one team in minor pro hockey in the, in, in the world. Right. You so know, so then I said off the top, I had a bone to pick with you. Um, so I will pick said bone now. Um, and I don't know if it's with you, but you're the managing editor. Um, why am I reading articles about the mess that Brad Treliving left? Can you can you enlighten me into what the mess is? And I I I'm charging into this fully aware that I may be way off base on this. Uh, a farm system that has pieces but not a lot of high in depth. Part of the part of that is you you gamble and you roll the dice and you trade a first round pick in 2022. Granted, it would have been a late first round pick yep. for Tyler Toffoli, so you yep. don't get a fairly good prospect in your system. Yep. They did the same thing in 2018 with uh, with Travis Hamonic. Yep. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, they, you know, you, so Valimaki left for nothing. Yes. Uh, they have seven guys yes. uh, who are a year away from being pending UFAs. Mm-hmm. And the, the sentiment, at least what they said publicly to, to the media was very, you know, some guys are, yeah, let's talk about contract. Yep. And some guys are, uh, let's see. 
So you have that. And, you know, if you look at the, the bodies that they do have signed long-term, a lot of them are on the wrong side of 30. So they have a lot of cap hit tied up in guys that are past the, past the apex or post apex or very close to their apex. Uh, you're not really going to get a lot of surplus value uh, for those contracts going forward. There's a few guys he could. I think, I, you know, looking at the the cap friendly chart, I really think that Blake Coleman contract was sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good. Yeah. For, especially for what he gives. Yeah. But he, that's sort of a backlendy contract where yep. Blake Coleman's not going to give you the kind of offense that makes you go, damn, thank God they're giving him five million yep. a year. But the, everything, the, everything else he, he does, you like. But, you know, 10, 10 5 for Nazem Kadri. If he's anything close, if he's close to last year's Nazem Kadri, mm-hmm. you're nervous. If he's mm-hmm. close to this year's Nazem, or if, if he's close to the 2021 Nazem Kadri or 21 22 Nazem Kadri, mm-hmm. you're pretty happy. But yeah. that's a gamble. So, see, I don't, and, I just, and, and you don't, and you also have sort of the, the whole the coaching situation where, you know, you but have, how is that his fault? See, that's, that's he the, hired the guy, though. He didn't. I, I don't think he did. Then there's a lot of people in this town that don't. What's that? He did a hell of a job defending the signing then. But that's what you do. That's your job, Ryan. Your job, my job, you know, my job is to speak well of my employer and everything like that. Like, you know, again, what, what, what does everybody expect? What do you expect? If your owner wants a certain guy as the coach, you get him. That's the marching orders. If, you know, if the Nation Network wants me to do all pickleball starting next week, I've got a decision to make, don't I? So I object. I object. I object to these. Um, this whole thing about a mess. I, honestly, if he plays, if the coach had played the young guys, if he had played Matty Phillips, if he, you know, if he found a way to get Wolf here, don't don't you think we'd be praising him on the way out? I, I think there's a mess. I'm not saying there isn't a mess, but I'm not 100% sure this is the GM's mess. Yeah, and honestly, I think if if you if you look at the the way that he built the team, yep. Like I'll I'll concede this. Thank you. If if the team has a better season, you look at those seven, you know, you look at the the seven pending UFAs and go, okay, we'll see what's happening. But they they have to jettison a body no matter what to basically give themselves any kind of cap flexibility. And, you know, the cap isn't the GM's fault, but it also is because he's the one Oh, he manages he manages to the cap. He manages the cap. Absolutely. He gives the and contract. We're, and we're yeah. also talking about, you know, the same guy who signed Johnny Gaudreau to the a deal when he did or didn't. I mean, there was something on the table by all accounts uh, a summer ago. Granted, Johnny Gaudreau coming off of a, a not great uh, season with a year left, and they they had lengthy, lengthy conversations, and they he could have re-signed uh, the best player on the team with a year left and not had to go through the drama, but then didn't work out. Same with Kachuk. I mean, I'll say this for Kachuk: like the Flames, the Flames were coming off of uh, you know that fourteen fifteen year, and mm-hmm. then the fifteen sixteen year was a disappointment, but mm-hmm. a disappointment you know, fueled by their underlying numbers also cratering fairly significantly mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. But they, they looked at the, the group they had and went, okay, what do you want to do? And, you know, they, they, the same thing in 2019 when, uh, when you know, his contract was up with Calgary, when, mm-hmm. when Kachuk's contract was up right. and they went, what do you want to do? And they, they could have moved some money out. They didn't move any money out. They tried a lot of different options. It, they didn't really like the offers they were given. So they opted, you know, they looked at, 
they looked at a team that uh, finished first in the division, first in their conference in 1819 and went, let's keep them together. Why not? Yeah. And so they, you know, so a lot of the decisions that Brad Trilling made were defensible, completely defensible, but also decisions that you make in hindsight going, if he does one of those things differently, not just all of them, just one of the things, life could have been a lot different yeah, but, for everyone. But, how, but, you know, and I'm not, this is such a base argument, which outside of, Colorado, who couldn't we say that about for the last two years? Tampa you know Bay. <laughs> they didn't win last year, right? And somebody three, in Tampa Bay is mad about that. I don't know if many are mad about that, three, but somebody three, in Tampa. Three trips to the finals in three years. Or four, isn't it? And how many years in a row, like, you know. Yeah, sure, no, no, four is the, four is, what's his name? Yeah. Who went there I'm with sure St. They, Louis. I'm sure they would have loved to have a parade, but maybe they're just getting tired of parades. Yeah, I, I, like, I, listen, I, I love the fact that we have the, the the opportunity to write this stuff and put it out there. I just wanted to push back on the mess part because I I don't think that's a fair situ- I don't think that's a fair evaluation of the situation. I think historically, you know, there's some things in this organization that keep it in the middle. I just think as an organization, it plays it safe. It stays in the middle. It it won't commit to to a scorched earth. Fair enough. And it's and it's always said because you know that's not what our season ticket holders want. Fair enough. You own the team, you get to make the rules. That's fine, hundred percent. But and for, when, for all the for all the hand wringing about uh, Murray Edwards reportedly being hands on with the team, if oh, like he's the if, only one. Yeah, if if the operating budget for the for the team, Rob, is probably what nine figures. Like, yeah, just the just the NHL cap is almost ninety million. So you're looking at probably you know low nine figures to, to for operating budget. And, and if that, I'm if I'm spending a hundred ish million dollars yep. on my sports organization, yep. I want to be looped in. Damn right. No, no. And I'm glad you brought that up. I am glad you brought that up because that's the norm, right? That's not the Murray Edwards is not some sort of unicorn in ownership. Look at Eugene Melnick. Look at, look at Aquilini. Look at Vegas, right? Look at Tom Dundon in Carolina on and on and on and on. It goes, you spend the money, you get to make the decisions. But at the same token, if you're tasking your employees to carry out things that aren't working, and they they're not the ones that have to should have to carry the water, I'm saying I don't think there I don't think this is Brad Treliving's mess. I think this is a Calgary Flames mess, and they've got to clean it up. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Thank you. And if, if you'll give me fair, of, I'm good with fair. In defense of in defense of Robert and his headline, he didn't say. Brad Trilliving left his mess. He said he a left mess. a semantics, sir. I surrender to you on semantics. Yes, yeah. no, no, but it's it's a fair point. I just I didn't like the, I didn't like. I just saw that and I go, oh, I don't know if that's true. But you've made a case for it. I get it. Uh, and, and I don't think either one of us are sitting here going. Whoever comes in is sitting on a gold mine. I think whoever comes in here has opportunity. Yeah, and I and I think you know it's. I'll say this: yep. it's not as black as it seems, but it's also not sunshine and rainbows. I mean, you know, the they have a lot of picks in this year's draft, not a ton, but a, a lot a by Calgary standards. How about that? They have a lot of Calgary standards, and <laughs> yeah. you know, they 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 kept their late picks, so they have a chance of getting some 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 gems in the late rounds. This yeah. is an organization that's drafted fairly well in recent years, especially compared to the regime prior. Uh, they have, a, if you look at the farm system. 
up and down. They have guys that they drafted or, and developed. Uh, Walker Dewar, our, our friend uh, Pat Steinberg uh, from Sports 96, the fan, is reporting that the Flames are close to an extension for Walker Dewar. Walker Dewar is a guy their college prospect, their, their college scouts found. They yep. found him. He's an went, extra. Yeah, he's he's another Garnet Hathaway, a guy that you go out and you find. He doesn't cost you nothing outside of the the manpower to find him, but that helps. They, they're they're able to find guys in Europe with you know David Riddick and the like. They're mm-hmm. able to find guys in college. They've been fe- able to find guys sort of all over the place. So I think you know they there's something there. They you know if you look at the Athletics uh, rankings of of uh, prospects systems, uh, Scott Wheeler of the Athletics yeah. that uh, along with Corey Proman. Yep, they, they're ranked. They're ranked. Fairly low yeah. because they don't have high end depth. Nope. They have guys that will come in, like outside of Dustin Wolf. I don't think they have anybody who will steal your game. Can I? Can uh, I just say one thing? How would this organization? How would Brad Tree Living be viewed if Adam Fox was on this team? <laughs> well, that's that's again. They drafted like, him. Right, they, they drafted, drafted him. him. Nobody no, else drafted they, him. They drafted him. He was they, an asset, though. They they were able to turn him. No, no, I I, I understand. Then, uh, I understand all of that, and it's it's really it's it's kind of me, you know, it's me showboating a little bit. But though that one that got away that turns into a Norris Trophy winner in such a young career with a Calgarian like Kale McCarr, who's in Colorado you know, just lighten it up. I'm not saying he's as good as Kale, but he's in that category. But that one pick, if he's here right now, if he's playing for the Flames, having won a Norris Trophy, all of those sort of things, it's, it's, it'd be crazy what, what we would th- how we would view things, don't you think? They drafted yeah. him. Yeah. Nobody else drafted. That was my old argument with, um, uh, with uh, da, 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 third That's overall, like third overall the, in Nash, the, Nashville's Shea Weber. That was my old Shea Weber argument. Oh, look at Nashville. They do such a great job. Do they? They drafted two defensemen before they drafted him. Right? If they really knew how good he was, why didn't they take him with the first one? <laughs> right? So, anyway. Sorry, Ryan. I got you off topic there. Yeah, but, you know, that's, you know it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where, you know, I, I'll say this. I'm a, dra- I'm a draft person. I think you're. I think you're gauged by how you use your first, but you're also gauged in how you use the rest of them. I mean, if you look at that 2016 draft, they, you know, they they hit the Kachuk pick out of the park. Granted, a lot of weird stuff happened ahead of. Well, that was why that was wise broad in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Like Vancouver that, wanting U uh, Levy instead of uh, no, it was the the Columbus. Oh yeah, in uh, Columbus too, right? Wall, yeah, like so a couple of weird decisions ahead yeah. of you, and yeah. the player that the exact player you needed fell in your lap. Great. Exactly. You know, uh, yep. but the, the same kind of thing happens where if you look at that 2016 draft, second round, Flames get Tyler Parsons, mm-hmm. which didn't turn out. And mm-hmm. then they get Dylan Dubé. Then mm-hmm. they get Adam Box mm-hmm. later on. They got, I believe that was the year they got E2 Tolola late. They got mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Phillips late. So mm-hmm. that was one of the years where you're finding useful players up and down that, that you know, even if they don't play in your organization, in the NHL level, they come in and they help your farm system. I mean, if you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the 20, 20 year old kids on the, on the Wranglers this year, their development's going to be supercharged by playing meaningful hockey in April and May and June. Agreed. Potentially June. Agreed. But, but, and so if you have guys like, you know, the, the flames went out and, you know, found Ben Jones, Ben Jones didn't get re-signed by the, by the golden Knights, the flames found Ben Jones and Ben Jones Maybe he's not an NHL guy. Maybe he's just a guy who's. But he raises the water level of your prospects, yes. right? Because because then, like 
if, if you don't have Ben Jones, you have a little bit less for everybody else to work with. And maybe, yeah. maybe you have a 20 year old Rory Karen's playing over his head for, for two thirds of the season until he finally gets, gets right? ready. So no, I, you know. no, I, I agree. I, I, um, yeah. Anyway, it's not a mess. <laughs> who are your can? So going back to where we started before I diverted us, who are your candidates right now for the for the uh, the big chair? Yeah, you got anybody on your list that that is worth talking? Not worth talking about. That's I don't the wrong way. Sound like a homer, but uh, I I'm a big fan personally, and professionally of Craig Conroy, yeah. and Brad Pascal. Yeah, uh, Brad Pascal. I mean, an AHL team is a tough thing to to mm-hmm. manage, and you know the Wranglers lost from their changeover from the Heat. Something like eight to ten guys, and yep. they lost. I think uh, at some point, they sh- basically they lost uh, something like two thirds of their offense. Uh, if you look at the goals who were scored by uh, the season prior, they lost the backup goalie, they lost most of their defense, they lost two, th- you know, about half of their forwards, and they replaced them with whoever they, you know, they they, they were tackled with who, what kind of guys they looked at. Hence Ben Jones. Uh, but I think they did a really good job filling it, filling in the the gaps with the right types of players and the right types of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worked out really well. And I, you know, Craig Conroy has been around since what he retired in 2011 or 20, 2010 or 2011. But since then, like he's, he's, you know, worked all over the place. He ran the firm team. He's yep. involved in scouting. He's involved in contract negotiations. You know, if you need to sign a college player, you send him in a private plane and, you know, a contract, and then you come home with a Johnny Gaudreau or a ben, Matt Coronado or something like that. So, I mean, you know, I think those two, because of the, the, I think they'll completely understand the situation they're in. And I think they'll have some ideas for how to navigate it. And I think that internal knowledge of how the flames, both as an organization, as a corporation, as a member of the community yep. operate, yep. gives them a lot of insight. Um, out of the box ideas. I think uh, Eric Tulski in Carolina is the best guy in the league. Who's not a GM yet. That said, he's working under president slash GM, Don Waddell in Carolina. And President slash GM means that you're either half-assing one of those jobs yep. or someone else is doing one of those jobs for you. Yeah. And all counts are uh, the presidential jobs are primarily being done by Waddell and Eric Tulski is a basically AGM and title only, and he's a very well-paid one. And so if you're the Flames, if you want to get Eric Tulski out of Carolina, you better have a hell of a pitch and you better be willing to open the checkbook because I think if you offer him a dollar amount, he'll just turn over, turn around to Tom Dundon yeah. out of loyalty and say, what do you think, Tom? Can you match, Can you match this? this? Yeah. So – but I'm I'm this the, the I'll say this when the Flames hired Bradshaw Living, who turned out to be the the right guy for the job at the time they needed him to be, he was sort of a, a out of left field pick. I mean, he was sort of black mm-hmm. term. All due respect to our friends in Arizona, kind of toiling in relative obscurity in Arizona. And you know, but I think the fact that you're working with a really tight budget in Arizona, the fact that you're working with a very weird ownership situation in Arizona with the league involved and then a multitude of owners swirling around and changing of the guards repeatedly. And then eventually an eviction Uh, working in Arizona, I think low key gets you really ready for any other job because there's not much. Oh, absolutely. You have to be creative, inventive. You have to do things on the cheap, all of those sort of things, which, you know, uh, to me, it was when Glenn Sather left the Oilers and went to the Rangers 
you know, he, he was working for this group of 30 whatever owners and he couldn't spend money and all of those sort of things. And then he got, he got to the Rangers and he spelt, spent like a, a sailor. Like it was, it was incredible, you know, uh, this, that, that's not what you're talking about, but I think you're right. I think it's, I, I the creativity is a breeding ground there. I'm and especially if you do it earlier in your career, if you yeah. learn how to operate in that kind of environment and that's all, you know, yep. it's like the wizard of Oz and all of a sudden everything's in color. That's right. That's a great way of putting it. Um, I'm I'm like you. I'm to me the top of the list is the two guys you mentioned, Conroy probably just because of he's been here longer and and that sort of thing. But Pascal right there. I'm kind of curious about because I'd heard Telski from others, but is there any European? Is there anybody we're not talking about that's you know on a traditional path uh, or a non traditional path? Is there is there a woman out there? Is there is there somebody out there that you know, at, at some point, someone's going to try to steal Cami Granado away from. Uh, I think she's in Vancouver now. Yes. At some point, someone's going to try to steal Alexandra Mandrazek out of Seattle. Okay. Uh, at some point, you know, there's a lot of good Europeans around. I think the challenge is now a lot of the up and coming female AGMs mm-hmm. have only been their gigs for a year or two. Sure. And so you might need to have. I think. I think I'll say this. I think the fact that you have an experienced president of hockey operations like Don Maloney giving you the opportunity to do something creative like that. So I'm I'm really excited to sort of, you know, inevitably as as the weeks go on and we, as we get further into May, I assume Frank or Dreger or Friedman will tweet out a list of names at some point when interviews begin. And I'm I'm really excited to be surprised by mm. some of those names because it's the names that you don't really think that aren't really in front of mind. I mean, are any of us going to be surprised to hear, oh, the Flames are interviewing Brad Passel, the Flames are interviewing no. you know, Craig Conroy? No. Because they and should. They, yeah, they should. Right. But I also think you know some of these up-and-coming female AGMs deserve the opportunity to at least interview because if you're if you're trying to get the 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 brain trust in the league to a higher level. Mm-hmm. I think you have to not only put good people in those kind of positions, but also give them the opportunity to interview for other positions and figure out what they don't know. Because I think being exposed in an interview to how another organization works and ask for your thoughts and you know maybe ask questions you weren't expected to be asked. And then you even if you don't get the job, you go back to your old job and go, oh man, they asked us about this. I did totally didn't expect to be asked about that. Why aren't we doing that? Those kind of things. I think that's how that's how the analytics movement more or less. Oh, a- absolutely. The other movement that has is uh, has been brought up, but again, not by me. This is you know, if if you listen to Thirty One Thoughts podcast, hard not to hear those two guys beating the drum about these uh, services, right? That there's uh, you know headhunting specialty headhunting firms out there, and there was that argument conversation a little while ago about, and I think it's what really has led to kind of the you know the start of diversity. I wouldn't say we we have diversified front offices, but the start of diversity was getting out of the same old same old, which is oh we fired somebody, so we'll go fire you. Bring somebody in who goes out and brings you candidates and goes out and looks yeah. for candidates of service. And and I'll also say I I think you know the the advent of the president of hockey operations position has allowed teams to not only just interview people they wouldn't interview 10 years ago, hire them. You know, we, we, we didn't see, I think we're seeing a lot more diversity in background, diversity in thought, diversity. Find out like Eric Tulski isn't a hockey guy. He didn't come up through hockey. He, it, 15 years ago, he doesn't get in. He doesn't even get in. No, no. 10 years and maybe 20 years ago, he gets laughed out of the room. Right now, now we're talking about him for a Canadian market of being like, Oh man, 
it'd be so cool if they could get him. Yeah. We're talking about someone with his background being sought after, being an up and comer. So I, I'm, I, I totally agree with you. And I think the, the idea that now you're having teams go to these firms and go, you know, they bring them in, they go, what don't we have? What, you know, mm-hmm. what don't we have here? here here's mm-hmm. the people we have here. What don't we have that we need? What, what other teams have that we don't have? Yeah. And yep. I think they're being listened to and we're, it's resulting in some really creative, exciting things happening in the sport now. Monday or pardon me, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Abbotsford's in town. Wranglers play a best of five. Do I have this correctly that it's, it's up to the higher seed. You can choose yep. the first two or the last three as home games. Um, if you're if you're the Wranglers and you're thinking we won eight of twelve from these guys in the regular season and you're thinking, okay, if we sweep, do we want to have two home games or one home game? I think that might have played into it a bit too. But I mean, you know, the the the, the Wranglers had a real good home record this year. Yep. And especially in the second half of the year. And I think that's probably the home record I think was the the main thing. But yeah, it's the, the higher seeded team gets the choice. Uh, Coachella Valley, the second seeded team, they're playing uh games one and two on the road and okay. then they're playing three in a row in uh at whatever the arena is called in uh in coachella valley yeah uh palm springs palm springs yeah the possibly that in san diego might be the two most alluring Oof. destinations for road road teams no kidding um i like i like i thought it, you pointed it out on twitter last night i i like it i thought it was an interesting decision to have to make i like stuff like that like i you can bet that that's been talked about i'm sure you probably have writers that have written about it already at flames nation about what the the logic is or what you should do i love stuff like that that to me is fun i'd like to see that in the nhl except that we don't have best of fives yet or anymore um what what are we th- what are we expecting in in this playoff run? Because you you get Walker Dewar back, you get Pelche back. You know we've seen accolade after accolade after accolade for Wolf. Are we? You know this is a team that went to the Western Conference Final last year against Chicago. Is is this? You know this is a long run. I I'm assuming that everybody's preparing for. They're a better team than they were a year ago. Okay. I, uh, if you, they, they score more, yep. they allow less. Uh, they have, I think, a deeper team. Uh, and I think the nice thing is, like, you know, they're, they're going to have potentially for game one, like they have, you know, Oscar Dansk is a very capable mm-hmm. backup goaltender. I doubt we see much of him sure. over the next few months, uh, simply because of who, who's in front of him. Uh, they have a couple pretty good depth guys in, in Josh Brook and Christian Rubens who won't be playing in game one. Uh, you know, Alex Gantley playing, uh, serving the, the last game as a, of his three-game suspension for game one. And uh, it looks like maybe Mitch McLean stays out. He was uh, out for the last game. But, you know, you're gaining bodies back from the NHL team who've are very familiar with this team who were on this team last year when they were on the run. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the guys they have, like being a lot of the guys that they have who are on the team this year were sort of black aces last year. They got brought in at the end of the season and said, okay, hang out and watch and, you know, get familiar with this. Right. And so I think it's a group that very much feels like they have something to prove. When we talked to Dustin Wolf at the end of uh, his uh, first national league win, you know, his focus was, he's like, cool, got tomorrow off. And, you know, then, you know, he was getting ready to fly to Abbotsford to play two games and win them both and then get ready for a Calder Cup run. And I would suggest that his level of focus is, is almost universal in terms of how that team looks at things because, you know, there's there's plenty of teams, and I'm sure Mitch Love is reminding them of this daily, there's plenty of teams that have good regular seasons and then 
do nothing yep. in the regular season. Sure. And I think they they want to be a team that, you know, people come into their building, uh, you know, for example, Wednesday and Friday, uh, an opponent comes to their building going, oh, Lord, this is going to be a long night. And then they deliver that long night. And they've done it a lot in the regular season, but, you know, it's everything resets. Yep. There's Absolutely. You know, Coachella Valley got, you know, uh, a bit of a scare mm-hmm. in their first round against Tucson. And I think the the Wranglers were very much aware of uh, Coachella Valley white knuckling it through a fir- the first two games of their series, and then very much delivering a drubbing to the Roadrunners. But I think they, I think they're, I think they feel like they have something to prove. And I think uh, until they can get some wins under the belt, I don't think they're going to be feeling particularly uh, satisfied, so to speak. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really kind of curious about what we see from Dustin Wolf. I like what he said. Like, I, I, I love his comments about, you know, I want to make, you know, I want to be there and I want to make life difficult. And if I have a long run, you know, he's equated the two, which he should. Um, I'm really kind of curious to see what, you know, I, you know what it's like, Ryan, when the big club's playing, I think some people are paying attention, but because the big club hasn't been paying or playing, I think a lot of people were starting to, you know, perked their ears up when they heard player of the year, goalie of the year, all of these accolades that he has gotten, you know, first team all-star. Um, really kind of curious to see how he runs through the playoffs this year. Yeah, and I think I think you're completely right. And I think the we're going to learn a lot about this group from mm-hmm. those first two home games because it'll be, you know, all due respect to them, they've been in the shadow of the big club all year. Yep. And that's kind of the AHL team's gig. Sure. Like, but, you know, uh, if the idea is that, you know, pe- a lot of people who are Flames fans, Flames season ticket holders will be coming down to the Seal Rangos game for maybe the first time on uh, yep. Wednesday and Friday. Yep. And they'll be going, are these guys as good as I've been hearing? Because I'm kind of dissatisfied with the big club right now. What do they got for kids? <laughs> what do they got for hope? Because when the big club's not great, you got to sell hope. And, Right now, I think a lot of people are feeling hopeful, but also, as is a lot of a Calgary sports fan, uh, basically throughout these history, everyone's hopeful, but also a little anxious. Yes. And I think, uh, you know, having a good first game, first period, first shift, first homestand could do a lot to alleviate some of that anxiety and sort of, you know, help them puff their chests out a bit. Uh, before I let you go, you mentioned the field house. I was going to ask you about the building. What's the latest on uh, the arena discussions? Well, they're ongoing. The mm-hmm. uh, So the funny thing is there's no committee meeting this month for the event center committee because they just couldn't work out the scheduling. So instead of uh, the the most recent negotiating update being presented to the smaller group first, mm-hmm. it's actually just going to be presented directly to full council, which is a bit of a departure. It's the first time they've done that. The first time that uh, the gentleman from CA icon will speak in front of the full group. Okay. Uh, they, they, I believe of the 15 people on council, uh, they presented in front of, I think, something like 11 or 12 of them. So there's a a couple of counselors that weren't able to make the, the last two meetings where they presented, but they will present the March update from the March council or from the March committee meeting to council on Tuesday. And then they'll present a brand new update. uh, And we'll, we'll see what happens. There's to be honest, there's the progress is there's enough new stuff to talk about that they have to have monthly meetings and monthly updates. And you know, that's that's something. I mean, some, you know, yes, they did, it is they did something. Multiple updates in March. They've done. You know, yeah. this update comes three weeks, four weeks after their the last meeting in March. So they'll have a bit more to do. Um, I think, judging from last time, last time the deadline they were working towards was the July council uh, recess. Uh, council typically takes August off, 
and then they get back together for administrative organizational meetings in September, and then they really okay. go full bore starting at the end of September. So yeah. the the next real benchmark to see what happens is basically how many meetings we have between now and the, the beginning of July, because, you know, they got some time until things get hairy and then stampede hits. I'm sure they would, in an ideal world, you have something fun to announce at stampede or during flames training camp or whatever. Like there's plenty of benchmark dates where I'm sure they would love to have something to present, but I'm also sure they want something that doesn't suck to present. And they know that people like us are going to be you know, looking at whatever deal they present with some sort of a fine tooth comb. But, uh, all indications are that they're proceeding towards having something for us to pour over with a fine tooth comb. Um, I would say right now, my gut says matter of months, but that's not based on any kind of inside sure. information outside of sort of how this thing went last time. I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to think less of me for asking it. <laughs> you brought up the fact, and I saw it today, you, you actually tweeted it out that um, the field house is moving along. They've had good conversations. They've got money for it and everything is, is, because this is a new council and because time has passed, is there any chance that somebody's going to go, oh, why don't we connect the two? A Calgary Next Lake project again? I'd say less than zero. Good. Thank you. Okay. Less and now zero. you think less of me. But I just, I you know, with this particular crew and these particular thinkers sometimes, because you, you can't tell me. You cannot tell me, Ryan, that anybody on the city side thinks they're going to be paying less this time than they would have in the original deal. Oh, probably not. But I also think that, you know, the their plan right now is to the stuff that they're putting in the cultural entertainment district is yeah. meant to sort of be for lack of a better term, shiny toys. Like you're going to have oh, yeah. arts commons, you're going to have sure. the library, you're going to have uh, yeah, BMO yeah. center, you're going to have the new arena. And the idea is that, you know, you're going to go down and it'll be built for pro sports and pro concerts and this, that, and the other thing. Right. Uh, the, the field house is sort of more t- steer towards sort of amateur sports. hundred percent. I, you know, I, I, bells and whistles. So I, I think I get the, that. The, the purposes of the two are yeah. sort of antithetical to sort of co-locate them. And to be honest, that was one of the things that came out of, you know, you, you, I know folks, always sort of uh, derive Calgary next. And in some cases, rightfully so. There were some aspects of the project that didn't really work. Agreed. Uh, but I think one of the better things that came out of it was the city gave it, you know, a full-throated, I'm not going to say defense, but they they gave it a full-throated analysis and went, okay, why not? And one of the reasons why not was they just felt that having uh, pro and amateur sports, you know, two things, two, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to keep a field house empty because the pro team wants to practice or whatever. So there was a lot, yes. there was a lot of purposes yeah. that they I were get- like, Ooh, that kind of goes against what the other side wants to do here. And so the, the programmatically, I think there would have been a lot of right. things that wouldn't work. And I think that's the programmatic aspect is one of the things that keeps them from really exploring that uh, for a newer facility now. Okay. I'm glad I asked the question because the answer was better than the question. Uh, was a bad question. Well, I just worry sometimes. Um, uh, what's going on at Flames Nation regarding the Wranglers? What kind of cov- coverage can we expect here during the playoffs? Well, uh, Mike Gould and uh, Paige Seward are all over the Wranglers beat. Uh, I will be chipping in where they basically need me to sure. uh, to, to to jump in. But you know, I'll be poking and prodding uh, the NHL club's ashes, and they'll be you know <laughs> taking they'll be delving deep into the Wrangler stuff. So well, all kinds of stuff starting Tuesday and Wednesday and basically running until there's nothing else to talk about. The fun thing for us is that, uh, you know, the, our friends over at Canucks Army are 
covering the Abbotsford Canucks inside and out. So then it's a fun sort of oh, good. It gives us, it gives us a fun chance that you know they're we're live at uh, the the games in Calgary. They're live at the games in Abbotsford. Oh, good. So we okay. Sort of get, we sort of get a chance to sort of give each other a, a view from the other side uh, on each other's prospects. And that's you know, great. It'll be fun. So uh, folks, I know you might cringe at the idea of clicking over to Canucks army and we apologize in advance, but over the next couple of weeks, you probably will want to, to, to roam over to there too, to check out with uh, what Chris Faber and uh, Quadrelli and their crew have, because there's going to be a lot of stuff and probably too much stuff to fill it on one website. Well, listen, I work with people from the Euler nation network every day and they're okay. Not what I expected. They're okay. So I'm sure, all, all I'm sure we, as long as the check's clear, we're going to keep singing this song. <laughs> well, that's how it works. GMs or otherwise, right? The bosses pay you. You do the work, Ryan. I think we've established that today. Thank you, my friend. We will see you next Monday. Take care. There you go. <laughs> Ryan Pike. Uh, joining us, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. If you can't trust 76 years in this market, knowing what they know, doing what they do, working with who they work with, come on now. You need skis, you need bindings, you need snowboard. Uh, how about this? We even don't even talk about their uh, snow skating. Check it out. Are you a hockey player? Have you ever gone snow skating? Check it out. Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. I kind of took a couple of shows off, but I I came back today with a reading assignment. We threw it out on Twitter a little while ago. Calgary Herald story. Headversity acquires respect group with goal of improving workplace culture from Josh Aldrich. I love it. Um, Two made-in-Calgary international solutions. Of course, the respect group is Wayne McNeil and, of course, Sheldon Kennedy, who we are trying to get on the program. Not trying. He's going to be on the program here in the next couple of weeks. Get Sheldon on. Um, they have been doing incredible work with the respect group. Uh, if you're a parent in, and you've got a child in sport, no doubt you've taken the, the uh, respect in sport program, the respect in work program. Um, it's highly, highly thought of, but adversity Dr. Ryan Todd, that's another made in Calgary solution. They've been on the tech on the uh, tech side. Um, they have an app, but they, they do a lot of work with uh, USHL and other teams, and they also do some work uh, with uh, workplace culture. So um, kind of cool that two of the world leaders are right in our own backyard and Headversity now buying up uh, a respect group. So I'm curious to see where that goes. It's a it's an article worth your attention, finding out about solutions and mental health and the sphere of mental health, how it works in sport and how it works in amateur sport, all those things uh, right here in our own backyard. So that is your reading assignment today. I tweeted it out a little earlier. Uh, final mile. Let's throw a little football in there. We had Chevy and Nasty on earlier. Thanks to Gab for this. It is finally done. Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet. Uh, the So the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, the 15th overall pick, 2023 fifth round pick. Green Bay gets a 13th overall pick, so they move up a couple of spots. 23rd second round pick, 23rd sixth round pick, 24th conditional second round pick. It becomes a first, so it's conditional. This is kind of the Bradtree living stuff. It becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays that year, I believe. So 65% of the plays. Uh, no, it would have to be this year, wouldn't it? Because it'd be a 24 that becomes a first. So if you play 65%. Anyway, um, yeah, 
Yes, upcoming season. Thanks, Gav. Gav did an amazing job of getting that in there. So just wanted to leave you with that. Uh, congratulations to all the winners at the Booster Club yesterday. Kale McCarr is your male athlete of the year. Uh, no surprise there, but uh, worthwhile. If you check out the Calgary Booster Club, uh, all of the high school students, Olympic athletes, um, high school athletes, the uh, Harry Hood Awards were given out in football. Uh, just a great evening celebrating sport in our city and celebrating the grassroots part of our sport, where our athletes, where our elite athletes come from, the uh, Calgary Boosters Club. So make sure you check that out. Thanks to our outstanding producers today. All of them, in order, Jack, Gavin, and Mark. Thanks, guys. Uh, programming note, Wednesday, uh, the Doughboy is in with us full full two hours as a matter of fact his son's going to be joining us uh he's in a different location they're working on a joint book bruce and his son are working on a book and then bruce and i are going to yell at each other for about a good hour uh i would say probably a good good hour hour and a half um also uh on thursday um making my first ever hosting appearance with rhett warner on the barn burner Looking forward to that. Not sure what that's going to look like, but I'm looking forward to it. Thanks to Chevy and Nasty. Check out the podcast, uh, Drive with Chevy and Ride with Chevy and Nasty. And of course, to uh, Ryan Pike, the managing editor at Flames Nation Network. So much going on there as the Wranglers open up on Wednesday. We're back Wednesday. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked us, please tell your friends. Share it around. Give us a good rating. Say nice things about us. We're, we're really got thin skin. So if you could really say nice things about us, that would be great. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.